Good morning. This is DJ and PK in the morning right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM and the Zone Sports Network. Kicking off the show this morning. We have a lot coming up this morning. Give you a heads up on our guest list right off the top. This morning we're joined by Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. Talk a little bit about the Pac-12, BYU, some college football thoughts from one of the guys who's been covering the sport for a very long time. We'll also get a PGA Championship preview from Bob Casper from Real Golf Radio. That's coming up at 9 o'clock. And, of course, Tim Lacombe making his weekly visit at 8.30 right here with David and Patrick. My voice may sound unfamiliar to some of you, but my name is Jay Catch. I'm the executive producer of this program, filling in for David and Patrick this morning. But a lot to get to ahead on today's show. And let's start off with the NBA play-in tournament this morning. Two games last night in the Eastern Conference trying to determine the seeding. Last night, the Boston Celtics got a 50-burger from Jason Tatum to get past the Washington Wizards 118 to 100. The more entertaining of the two games last night as the Indiana Pacers also took care of business against the Charlotte Hornets, blowing out the Hornets by the way, 144 to 117. The most impressive thing about what happened with Indiana is Karis LeVert, who had probably been their best guard to this point in the season was out. Uh, Health and safety protocols knocking him out of this game, but no matter, take your best guard off the roster, off the court, and you go out and just put up 144 points. Eight players in double figures for Indiana in that game as they advance. Also, as I mentioned, the 50-burger for Jason Tatum. He was a man amongst boys last night. Absolutely incredible. Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook on the other side for Washington just weren't able to counter him. They combined for 42 points in this game, but Jason Tatum just an absolute starring performance. Also added eight rebounds and four assists. 14 of 32 from the field. More importantly, 17 of 17 at the free throw line. Living at the line and getting it done. Congratulations both the Boston Celtics and the Indiana Pacers as they advance now. Coming up tonight, it is the Western Conference play-in time as the San Antonio Spurs will face off against the Memphis Grizzlies. And then the biggest game of them all here in the play-in tournament, the Golden State Warriors taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. Tip-off set for about 8 o'clock Mountain Time. Looking forward to that matchup. LeBron James, Steph Curry, what is going to happen? And obviously implications for the Utah Jazz with that, with them being the one seed and waiting to find out who they will face later this weekend when they begin their first round series. So there you go. Some thoughts on the NBA, but coming up here in a minute, we'll continue with that. Get the insight of Dan Devine, guy who covers the NBA for his day job for the ringer. Some great thoughts on the Utah Jazz, their chances in the upcoming NBA playoffs. We'll get to all of that coming up in just a few moments right here on the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK in the morning right here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch, the executive producer of this fine program. Thanks again for taking the time to join us this morning. Coming here in just a few moments, Dan Devine from The Ringer was on with David and Patrick yesterday talking about the NBA playoffs upcoming, his thoughts on the Utah Jazz, their chances of getting postseason awards, defensive player of the year for Rudy Gobert, coach of the year for Quinn Snyder, 
sixth man of the year. Interesting debate there you're going to hear. So without further ado, let's get to it. Dan Devine from The Ringer right here on The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Dan, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. There is, as you can imagine, a lot of excitement here. There's a little bit of stress and a little bit of worry over Donovan <laughs> Mitchell's health. Also, everybody's trying to figure out, well, when we get to Friday night, who's the eights going to be? Who are the Jazz actually going to end up playing? And are they going to get to the Western Conference Finals and beyond? I guess the first question for you is, to what degree do you believe in the Jazz in the West? Or you got them as like the fourth best team and, you know, good luck to them? Well, I think the, the hardest thing to, to sort of parse out with that is just who, what versions of these teams are we going to actually be seeing? You know, like if, if you lined everybody up uh, in 2K and turned fatigue and injuries off, I think, yeah, you might say the Jazz are, I don't know, what the third best team in the West or something like that. You know, you would probably say a full-strength and healthy war uh, Lakers uh, right up at the top, and then everybody else kind of slots in. It might depend on sort of taste uh, beyond that. But what we have seen for the last four months, this has been the best team in the league, and it's been the best team in the league, you know, the most complete and balanced team on, on both sides of the ball. And they, there's, they have done nothing to... Be you know to to be bumped off of that pedestal. They they have earned that position. The question is, and it's the burden of proof that every team has to have. Things things have not happened until they actually happen. It was the Warriors had to do it. The Cavs had to break through and do it. You you have to see it. Even like you know LeBron and his initial run in Miami, you have to actually do it before everybody will give you the flowers. There's no reason to believe that the Jazz can't be the best team in the Western Conference and cannot go through this bracket and make it to the Western Conference Finals, have a chance to play for, the, for a finals berth. It's just we have to see it happen because we've, in the, over the last handful of years, there's just always been sort of a final boss or a stylistic problem, something that they haven't been able to solve. I think they've done just about everything they can do shy of landing a LeBron or Kawhi or that kind of big wing playmaker, the you know, queen on the chessboard type. They've done everything they can do but that. And now we find out if that's enough. I mean, I, I, it's funny to hear you say, like, there's great, there's great excitement, there's great stress, and there's great anxiety, and there's a whole lot of we don't know. I mean, if, what else sums up this NBA season any better than that? Like, there's so many things to be excited about, to, be, you know, to, to have enjoyed watching, but there's also still, even all this time later, so much unknown because you're still seeing teams – just kind of get back together and welcome back, you know, uh, pieces that have been injured or guys that have been out of the rotation moving back in and developing rhythm, trying to find some time. And then the great unknown, of course, I mean, it's one of the big bummers of the play-in as it stands, is that you can go all season, be the number one seed in the East, and not, and, or even in the Western Conference, and not be uh, aware of who you're playing until the very end of the, of the line here. So um, I believe that the Jazz have done what they can do to put themselves in position to be a championship caliber team. Now it's, you know, how the dice roll and how they tumble, and we're going to find out. So, Dan, reading your stuff at The Ringer, you list uh, your top five MVP candidates, and obviously Uh-oh. you have uh, Jokic there. Uh, you, you, but you give great uh, 
do to Gobert. You talk about Rudy, you talk about how all the positives, and you do have him as Defensive Player of the Year, which I think means if you come to Salt Lake, you won't get run out of town. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, one of the uh, – listen, talking about blessings and curses, it's really it's, – it's wonderful that the league has, you know, seen fit to give me a ballot, like a, you know, a real honest-to-goodness ballot. It's wonderful to – it's a great responsibility. It's a, you know, a wonderful acknowledgement. It's also a heck of a lot of stress because you want to try to be as thoughtful as you can and try to, to, to not just – you know, this, this, these, these things matter for guys' legacies. They matter for guys' paychecks. They matter for a whole lot of different reasons. So you want to try to be as responsible as you can as a steward of it. Um, and for, yeah, for me, it's the, the only thing that, that, that's preventing Gobert from being a top-five uh, vote-getter in that situation for me is just I think that we've reached a point in the development of the NBA where, there, yes, there are two sides to the ball, and, yes, defense is incredibly important. It's just not as important as offense is at this point, right now. Maybe some rules changes shift the, the way that things work. Maybe the geometry of the court changes. There's a whole, a whole lot of ways that the game can be tweaked. But right now, Rudy Gobert is about as uh, basically the pinnacle of the kind of player he is as a screener, as a diver, as a sort of uh, the, the, the gravity that he has rolling to the basket, all those sorts of things. He's just not a creator on offense. And I think that that is the kind of player in this, in this version of the league that is most valuable. And so I think that's where you wind up with, uh, you know, Jokic and Joel Embiid as a, a creator of offense and Stephen Curry and players like that, that sort of elevate above that for me. But that is all to say you get five spots and there are dozens of incredible players in this league, and Gobert is certainly high, high, high up on that list. So as you pointed out, though, the Jazz do not have the wing player who is the queen on the chessboard. Now, defensively, I think Quinn Snyder feels like Rudy is that guy. Offensively, if they don't have that guy, right, because they don't have a LeBron and they don't have a Kawhi, but they might have the sixth man of the year, they might have the sixth and seventh man of the year, how much does Joe Ingles, as a bigger guy running the pick and roll, and Clarkson as just an unrepentant shooter. I mean, this guy, yeah, I missed five in a row, so what? I'll make the next ten in a row. You will be, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cold now, but you will be in awe of me in ten minutes. I mean, he just lets that last play go unlike anything we've seen. Can those guys offset, or it doesn't work that way? A group of guys can't overcome the power of the one in the big moment in the playoffs. Well, I think it can. You know, we we have seen examples in the past of teams that didn't have, you know, the the one dominant offensive uh, performer in the series be able to kind of make it up in aggregate with enough guys who can all make a play. Uh, you know, now the, you know, the Raptors might not be the best example because Kawhi was there, but that was a team that did not win those finals against the Warriors, did not win uh, in the stretch of all those games just because Kawhi was elite. It was because everybody on the floor for them was able to make a pass, dribble, shoot decision and able to make something happen, able, able to get to their own shot. Even someone like you know, Serge Ibaka as a pick-and-pop threat or Marc Gasol being able to extend the play. Uh, you know, th- th- sometimes teams wind up being sort of more than the sum of their parts. And when you get really great parts, then you, gotta, you can have something special. And I think that's what we're seeing with Utah, where stylistically – Kind of whatever lineups are you, uh, the Quinn Snyder is able to put on the floor, there's always going to be 
three, four, maybe even three or four at minimum players who can make that kind of next read, keep the, keep the ball moving, keep the chain moving, and then create something out of it. I think what we saw last year, the version that wound up went out in the first round in the bubble, uh, was, you know, they obviously it was a, a difficult first season in Utah for Mike Conley, although he was playing a lot better at the end of the season. Um, he's been sensational all season long. You know, you're seeing uh, great versions of Gobert as a, as a sort of space creator, but also with Ingles being able to, to orchestrate, whether he's in the second unit or in the starting lineup, Clarkson just kind of gets to play his own offense when he comes in, but it's certainly effective. Um, you said the fact that you have uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, and not only that you have him, but he seems to have really been ramping up coming into the postseason is a huge addition for them. It's basically, can you have, if you have those positional, uh, that stability and those advantages on a possession-by-possession basis, at across the board, can you add up enough of those to kind of make up for what you might be lacking in like one matchup where you, the other team has like the best guy by a significant margin? And so that's, I mean, again, with, with the, without the ability to have created one of those guys, this is about as good as you can do, I think. I think the Jazz have done a sensational job of building out the roster, of trying to make it as multifaceted and varied in the way it can attack and play as possible. Uh, you know, there are always going to be people who, who will look at Gobert and say, well, that guy is, a, is just going to be of limited uh, utility at a certain point in a postseason series because there's going to be a possession where you're staring down Steph Curry 35 feet away from the basket on a switch and you're just in deep water and you've got to make the best out of it. I think that Gobert has gotten significantly better at doing that over the course of his career. I think he's about as good at that now as a player like him is going to get to be with, with his size and some of the limitations that will come along with that. And I think that, you know, the, all you can do is put your team in the best position you can to have a chance in, against no matter who you're playing. And I think this version of the Jazz has done that. Whether it is going to be enough to win four series in a brutal Western Conference, that remains to be seen. But I think they've done just about everything they've can to put themselves there. So we are going to run you out of town for not having Clarkson as the sixth man, but we'll bring you back because you chose Joe Ingles. <laughs> <laughs> I try to make sure that if, uh, you know, it's like I give with you know, take away with one hand, but I give with the other. There you go. You know, Thank you. You, you. you want to be fair, fair and even in all things. Yeah, I mean, to me, that was just. If we had made this to made those votes uh, halfway through the season, you know, it would have been Clarkson in a walk. It's just his, his, he had sort of hit that cold snap. He had his shooting efficiency had dropped off. And if you if what you are bringing to the table is scoring in volume and in bulk, you got to be able to do it at a high enough clip for where you guys coming away with a lot of empty possessions too. And I think. Uh, in those towards the latter, the latter couple of months of the season, Clarkson dipped a little bit. Although, again, ended the season on a strong run. And this, the, the way I think about the Jazz, what I think about them as a as a as a team, the way they've operated when they are at their best, you kind of close your eyes. You think about what Joe Ingles does, right? It's it's not always overwhelming like physical one on one dominance, but it's. We're going to be clever. We're going to keep the ball moving. We're going to get to a, go from good to great. There's a lot of that San Antonio DNA in what they do, and so there's a, a, a similarity stylistically, maybe uh, you know, in a different bit of a uh, different kind of package, but to the way that Manu Ginobili would kind of be able to keep the offense running, coming in off the bench, right down to him being lefty, right, but um, or slot in as a starter when when you needed a little bit more juice in the starting lineup, and then everything kind of kept clicking into place. That's the kind of effect that I think Joe Ingles has on, on the second unit for Utah, and that's why, to me, and then the final analysis, he kind of bumped up ahead. But certainly 
having two guys that are that kind of that are that caliber of players and that operate in different ways that can come in and provide changes of pace off the bench is a, a real uh, a real boon to have this time of year. And it's also uh, a credit to the way that again that Dennis Lindsay and company built that roster where. You know, it's these were not. You know, Joe Ingles was uh, was playing in Barcelona. Anybody could have signed Joe Ingles and brought him in. Um, you know, Jordan Clarkson was you know way, wasting away in Cleveland. Anybody could have had him. And to see the vision for what those guys could be in a, a slightly different structure, surrounded by pretty much uh, by significant talent. Um, you know, you can't say enough about the job that the Jazz front office has done to construct this team. And yet, there's this nagging feeling among Jazz fans that LeBron is getting healthy at exactly the wrong time and that the Lakers are going to be the first seven seed to win an NBA title, and that this is really the 95 Rockets, and there's plenty of fans. Remember the Jazz having a 2-1 lead and losing that best-of-five series and watching the Rockets go back-to-back. Are we going to be living that nightmare again in Salt Lake City? Well, listen, I, I can't. I can't fault fans for having that feeling. I can't, uh, you know, the, the A, again, you know, the, the, the demons only get exercised by actually exercising them, right? <laughs> Otherwise, they're just there. Um, you know, and sometimes you got to, you know, it takes some, you know, checking under the bed and in the closet to make sure the boogeyman's not in there. And sometimes you got to go in there with the bat and you got to take care of the boogeyman. And I think <laughs> that's kind of where we are with the Jazz right now. Like, the only arguments for why it's not going to work are that it hasn't worked before and that, previous versions of the kinds of teams they're going to face have been problematic for the Jazz. They've had trouble with Steph Curry teams in the past, although obviously everyone's had problems with Steph Curry teams in the past. They've had problems with with, uh, the Lakers before. Newsflash, everybody has problems with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's why you go get guys like that. Um, but what you have in, in Utah now, and obviously you mentioned at the very top of this, the $64,000 question is just uh, what are you going to get when Donovan Mitchell gets back on the floor because he is He's your answer to those questions of, like, when it gets down to the end of the game, who's going to create a bucket for us, who's going to go get something for us. It's Donovan Mitchell. And I think what you're hoping for is that you sort of are able to meld the best versions of what we've seen from this Jazz team over the past two years. The version of Donovan Mitchell that was an absolute flamethrower in the first round against Denver last season that was dominant for much of that series – and you're able to meld that with you. Now you get a healthy Bogdanovich. You get Gobert playing at the, uh, the higher level than he's ever played before. You get Clarkson and Ingles both at that kind of award caliber level. You get Conley as comfortable and uh, as in rhythm as he's been since he got to Salt Lake City. You put all of that together, and that is what elevates you because it's not just one guy that's, that everything hangs on. It's that every it's like the rising tide lifts all boats. And so... Uh, I mean, if, you, if you're asking me, if, you know, we'll see. Well, yeah, a lot will depend on what you know what comes out of this next few days. When you know, we'll see how healthy LeBron looks. We'll see how healthy Anthony Davis looks. We'll see how comfortable they seem. How you know how together and how cohesive that Lakers roster looks. Because again, it's not. You know, while the, the the big answer to that question is always, if you have a healthy LeBron and AD, you got a good chance against anybody in a seven game series. There's also a lot of pieces that haven't quite fit together for that Lakers team. It's not the same team that was in the bubble. And some important guys have, have been out for them. They haven't had a whole lot of time with Drummond. Marc Gasol's been in and out of the rotation all season. They haven't really coalesced around lineups that you know you feel confident about. They were to return AD and LeBron with Kuzma and KCP and some of the guys that were part of that run. But there's still some questions to answer and some things to figure out. So 
I, I wouldn't necessarily say that, that uh, it's, you know, you have to be terrified of the, the monster under the bed there, I think, but I think it's, you know, what, what Pop would always say is like appropriate fear, right? You know and you have a lot of respect for what the, what the Lakers are, but I think a lot of people around the league have a lot of respect for what the Jazz are, too. So when I look at this, you know, I can make an argument probably that this is assuming that the seven seed, the Lakers win, beat the Warriors, and the Warriors beat whoever they play, and they get the eighth seed, that the seven and eight seeds might be the best seven and eight seeds ever when, when you look at that with, with literally Hall of Fame players on their rosters. So assuming that it holds the way we think that the Jazz would play the Warriors what degree of healthy Mitchell do you think the Jazz need just to get out of the first round? That's a great question. I, I mean, I don't know. I, it's hard to put numbers on it because, you know, what, what you're seeing from the Warriors now is a, they, you know, a lot of things kind of shifted for them when James Wiseman, their number two overall pick, was out, went out for the season. And, you know, no fault of his. He's a, you know, a really talented young prospect, but that, Moving away from him kind of clarified for the Warriors what they are, and that that is a team that is built around Steph and Draymond. You put you know a kind of a solid center in Kevon Looney in there, who's been through the wars with the, with those guys, and knows how to play. And they've tightened their rotation a bit. They're just sort of they look more like a Golden State team, and obviously that is a team that can that spreads you out, that looks to push pace and play in chaos, and that's something that. Uh, for a team that's like a, sort of as regimented and systemic as Utah can, can be a problem. So all that to say, I think you, you, I mean, the, the offensive numbers for Steph have been off the charts, and for the Warriors when they've had Steph and Draymond on the floor have been sensational. So you're going to need to be able to score with them. And I think you know, the, if you have a you know, fully operational Draymond Green along the back line and you've got a defense that's tightened up with some of the wings they've been able to put on the floor in Golden State, you need someone who can be the locksmith in the half court and who can, who can you know, uh, you know, move through some of those tight coverages, find spaces, draw and kick. And I think that's Mitchell. It's, 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 it's got to be Donovan for there. So I don't know that it's necessarily they need to have him at 110% to get out of the first round, but... I think the, the challenge is that the, the version of the Warriors as they exist now is dramatically different from the one we saw for the first 40 or so games. So the cha- in order to solve some of the problems they can create, you need yeah, your best players on the court, you need your best players operating at a high level. I have no doubt that if Donovan's able to get through this sort of week-long, you know, the, the, the extended period of time that he's got to, to, to come back, get back on the court, and, and be, a, you know, be his, his, his customary self, his all-star self, um, I have no doubt that he's going to perform at a high level, uh, no matter who they throw at him defensively. But I think that's an, he's, an, he's obviously and arguably an important piece to be able to unlock the kind of defenses that you're going to see round after round in the playoffs. You know, the Warriors went 15-5 and five down the stretch, so taking Wiseman out obviously got them rolling. There's probably multiple reasons for that. Uh, I'm curious what you think. We had Tim Roy, the radio broadcaster for the Warriors, on, and he has been there for a long time. Right. And he said that this Jazz team reminds him of the Warriors. Uh, when they broke through and won their first title and they didn't have a lot of playoff experience, they'd won one series, only been in the playoffs twice. Uh, and then um, a guy who does uh, TV here um, knows uh, – who did he talk to, PK, at the Warriors? Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Mike Smith used to play for Celtics. Yeah, longtime Clipper broadcaster. And Steve Kerr said the same thing, that this Jazz team reminds him of that first Warrior team. Are the Warriors saying nice stuff, buttering the Jazz up, or is there a lot of truth there? (laughs) 
maybe a little of column A, a little of column B. It could be both. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of that going around. LeBron was just going over there telling everybody that Steph's the MVP before the playing game. So maybe there's a little bit of, you know, killing with kindness in the early going of the, uh, the postseason here. But, um, no, I think there's something to that. You know, and we've seen, I think that there's uh, the nature of this season and how jumbled up everything's been and how many top, you know, top players have missed time with injuries and how many teams have had to sort of scramble and shuffle their rotations and everything, it's left uh, kind of a void in terms of what we're typically f- familiar with at the top of the standings or in, a, in some of these bigger conversations. And those voids often get filled by teams that have, you know, uh, an identity and cohesion and depth and sort of emerging young talent. And I think that it's fair to say that that's, you know, you, uh, Utah checks a lot of those boxes. Um, and there's it's not just we are, you know, we hang our hat on one end of the floor and then the other end we just sort of hope for the best. The Jazz paired an already elite defense with a, a changed and, uh, and augmented offensive approach that's, you know, spreading the floor out and firing away and where everybody is kind of uh, empowered to approach to play that way. Basically, everybody who's not a center is playing that way. And it, 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 Free. It opens up the floor. It opens up the pace. It's sort of a, it, there's a joyfulness to the style and to the uh, you know many hands make light work. Everybody's involved. That is, I think, very stylistically similar to what Kirk tried to kind of instill and what Steph has been as sort of like a, a beacon for in Golden State over the years. Um, the question is, is and obviously, of course, those Golden State teams never quite got enough credit for how good they were defensively, and Draymond's a big part of that. But very much you know similarly with Utah, like. That all, all of the joy and all of the three-point shooting has to be underpinned by something solid, and that is the defense that Rudy Gobert captains and that the, the, you know Quinn Snyder has sort of built. So I think that they, they go about it in, in a little bit of a different way. There is not the one like Donovan Mitchell is special, but Donovan Mitchell is not has is not to this point in his career what Steph Curry even was at that point. You know that was as he's ascending into MVP status. Donovan Mitchell's a little bit below that kind of tier at this stage in his development, but. Um, they do it a little bit differently, but I think that the, the results are, are awful similar. And I think it, it, if nothing else, provides a really interesting test and sort of measuring stick for where Utah is. I mean, I think the only thing stopping them from being in that top tier of teams is beating that top tier of teams. I know it's a very simple thing to say. It's very obvious, but it's the truth. Every check, every box you can check for how you put together a team, what kind of success you have during the regular season, how well you do offensively, how well you do defensively, how you fare against other top opponents, all of it. The Jazz have checked all those boxes. Now it's just time to do it when the bright lights are on and when the popcorn's popping, and now we'll find out. Dan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Jazz fans will check you out at the Ringer to see why you think uh, Ingles over Clarkson and uh, why Rudy's just the defensive player of the year and not the MVP. <laughs> I know. What, what, what slander to be just, just the defensive just, player right? of the year and not the MVP. Well, guys, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, I know that it is a, an exciting and stressful time. Deep breaths, everybody. <laughs> we'll get through this together. There you go. Dan Devine from The Ringer. You can follow him on Twitter at YourManDevine. If you missed any of that interview, go to DJ and PK on 1280thezone.com. You can find the full podcast there. Or you can download the DJ and PK podcast, the full show, individual segments, interviews, and the like. It's available on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, 
Wherever you want to listen to it, you can find us. Just search out DJ and PK in the morning. All right, coming up here in just a few moments, we'll catch up with Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio. Get a look at the PGA Championship upcoming this weekend at Kiowa Island. You'll hear from him next right here on the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. DJ and PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. They are the title sponsor of this fine program. Let's get to some golf now. Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio joined DJ and PK yesterday to talk about the upcoming PGA Championship at Kiowa Island this weekend. Who does he think should be favored? Obviously, the guys will have their draft upcoming later this morning. Bob Casper scheduled to join the program. Brian's fellow co-host on Real Golf Radio at 9 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. But without further ado, let's get to Brian's thoughts right now, right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. This UN Golf PGA Championship Preview. With Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Black Desert Resort. Brian, good morning. Good morning, guys. Ready for the second major? Are you ready for the PGA? I am ready, actually. This is going to be good. Um, the ocean course at Kiowa Island, the Pete Dye design, and of course, we know uh, Rory won this in 2012 on this golf course by a uh, record eight shots, beat Jack Nicklaus's record in a PGA who, when he won uh, by seven shots back in 1980. And he also had the War of the Shore, the 91 Ryder Cup, uh, which was uh, super intense and kind of set the stage for how Ryder Cups have gone since that point in time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, right now, effectively, it's 7,800 yards, the longest golf course in uh, major championship history, although it's unlikely they'll tip it out to that uh, at any one particular round this week but yeah it should be good i guess the only thing that's a little bit uh flat is sort of the 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 main the main characters in all of this and that's the players there really isn't sort of one player that you would suggest is super hot right now and um you know a lot of the big names are have been a little flat this year all right well with that in mind though i was ready to write off rory and just said i don't know what it is after the masters and he rallied and won, and we've seen Spieth have a little bit of a, a resurgence. So they may not be hot or the overwhelming favorites, but they're certainly playing better going into this. No, oh, no doubt. And those are the two exceptions, right? I mean, you know, you think about DJ, you think about Justin Thomas, you think about Bryson DeChambeau, you think about, you know, um, Brooks Kepka being injured. You know, a lot of these guys that, that were hot at some time, you know, in the last several months, and DJ, the number one player in the world, not, not playing some great golf right now. But that said, Rory, yeah, great story. Certainly back in the winner's circle and looking to join Tiger as the only player to win multiple PGAs on the same venue. Tiger did it at Medina. Uh, so, so yeah, Rory is, is, is definitely the story of the week, along with Jordan Spieth, who's looking to complete the career grand slam and, you know, very timely win for him to get back in the winner's circle. Uh, Arnold Palmer and Tom Watson uh, were a PGA championship sort, uh, short of winning that uh, career grand slam. So uh, nobody's actually done it at the PGA. Uh, Spieth would be the uh, first to do so. And, 
you know, it w- wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Speed does have five top fives this year, including that win. So, um, he like I said, he Speed and Rory probably the two hottest players coming in this week, and the two betting favorites for sure. Um, but maybe maybe with uh, you know having struggled for some time, not quite the same pressure to win the career, complete the Kerr Grand Slam on Jordan as what he's had perhaps in years past. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how both of those play this week. So what style of golf does this course favor? What are the what are the traits you have to have to have an edge here? It's interesting. Uh, Rory obviously when he won back in 2012 and just destroyed the field was just bombing it. Um, but I went back and and, and so you'd say, hey, 7,800 yards at the Bombers Paradise. But you, you've also got an interesting golf course here. It's a seaside, linksy style golf course. But but the but it doesn't play fully like a links course in the sense that the greens are raised up. So you can't just have a low ball flight ground game like you would say at a at an open championship. You have to be able to put it up in the air, but flight it down and be able to hold those greens. And so a great ball striker, you know, which Rory was was on top of his his game when he when he won by eight shots. Obviously, looking back on, on Rory's win too, he he dominated the par fives. Um, two of the par fives played over par for the week in in 2012. It's just really really tough, and yet he was eight under par for the par fives for the week. And so I, I think you, you look at someone who dominates in par fives, someone that's obviously if you have length, that's always an advantage. I mean, we talk about that at every major championship. And then guys that are just really, you know, I, I think you're going to have to drive it a little straighter um, than what you do at the Masters, for instance. Tony Finau, listening to his interview yesterday, he talked about how uh, key, his first time around Kia, he tipped it out. This was, it was just yesterday. Tipped it out, played all 18 holes. And he said it felt a whole lot more like a U.S. Open than it did a PGA Championship. So, you know, fr- from that standpoint, it does demand a little bit of accuracy off the tee. You do need some length and, and then some great ball striking and ultimately some putting. I don't think the, green, the putting surfaces are quite as severe as, as some, of the, um, some of the other uh, courses. So, you're, you know, the, the grass uh, is this, um, what is it, past pollen or whatever that's a little bit sticky. So even though, it's, even though it's super firm, it shouldn't be icy slick. Like, they should be able to... To, to make some putts, and, and so that, that also plays into the hands of, uh, of good putters this week. So to answer your question, I, I think it's going to be one of those, you know, like a major championship is, defining whose game is at the top, and that's going to test all aspects of, of, the, of a player's game. So you've heard about the big news about the range finders being able to be used? <laughs> well, apparently Tony had, and that was the other thing <laughs> that was actually funny. I don't know if you saw. I did. <laughs> You see that interview, and, he, yeah. and Tony's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> it was he was being told during the interview. Now I guess you can't use it for the slope, but everything else. Yeah, which you know that's the case. You know, I, I don't even know people that really use the slope. I think some people think it helps. I, there's so much calibration that goes on in that, even in for for us amateurs just playing around. I, I've never actually used the slope feature, but uh, yeah, so they can. You know, it's an interesting one, right, PK? So we talk about technology. We talk about. You know, what can we do to, you know, make the game more fun? How can we speed up the game? And I'll be honest, I've gotten in my rhythm includes shooting a, a laser at the flag every time I play. You know, when I get to the fairway, I pull out my range finder. I actually have a little magnet holder, and it sits right on the little upright of the cart. And I pull it out, and I shoot the flag, and then I make my decision. Now, you know, there, there's, there's a lot that goes into, you know, when I'm playing golf courses that I play that are soft greens and you can pretty much fire at the flags and, you know, you look, okay, that's a back flag. Maybe I want to back it off a little bit. But these players, I mean, in major championship, even just regular PGA Tour events, the precision that's required and the, the pin placements, that, that, that's, it makes such a difference. If, we, if you went out and played these same courses the tour players played and they just stuck the flag in the middle of the green, 
It's not even the same experience. And so uh, the way they tuck these flags and the p- positions they put them in, the only chance some of these players have to even make a birdie is to hit it in a certain spot. Uh, I know from all the years we've been at Augusta, it's very rare that players are even firing at flags. Um, in order to get close to flags, you have to hit different spots for, and then allow the slope to take it to the flag. And so to give these guys a range finder that will simply give you the, the, the distance to the flag is, I mean – I, I, it's like Tony said, you know, he's probably going to rely on, you know, what his caddy has to say and what the book has to say and stepping things off because, and, and Webb Simpson piled on that too. And he said, most of the time we want yardages to the front of the green. That's what we're looking for. What's the front yardage and then how far on the pin. And then they can kind of calculate where they want to go from there. So I, I see this. I mean, I think the PGA is using this as a way to gain some notoriety, to do something different, to be noteworthy. Uh, and, and then under the guise of, hey, maybe this will speed up play. Most of the consensus so far, at least among the, the media guys and in some of the players, is that, uh, if, if anything, it might slow up play because they're going to use it as a double check. I don't see anyone just pulling up the rangefinder, shooting the flag, and disregarding the yardage book. So anyway, long answer. We'll see, we'll see how it all shakes out this week. So a lot of guys who have uh, not won a major before win – on the at the PGA Championship, right? Morikawa last year, it's six of the last ten, I think. So the guys who haven't won, who do you think has a chance to break through? Let's stay away from the McElroys and the Spees who are just piling them up. Who goes? I like that. Who's got a good chance to go from zero to one? Yeah, that's a that's that's a good uh, that's a it's a good note, DJ. And and I think you know you look at uh, one guy we've already mentioned in Tony Finau. Um, you know, the guy has uh, six top tens and 16 starts this season. He already t- tied for 10th at the Masters. So I'm putting Tony down for a top 10 this week anyway. I know we don't want to hear top 10. I mean, we, al- we appreciate the fact that he can top 10. We want him to win. But, um, you know, Tony's striking it great right now. He's 13th in strokes gain approach to green. He's 10th in strokes gain tee to green. And he's 15th in overall in ball striking. So the, the big question mark is, can that putter wake up? Can he have a putting week? And uh, if he can have a putting week – I love Tony's chances. You look at some of the best players to have um, not yet won a major championship with the most top 10 finishes at majors without that victory. You're talking about Lee Westwood, 19 top 10s in major championships. He's 48 years old, however. Matt Kuchar has 12, and he's 42. Ricky Fowler, who's in the field this week, he has 11 uh, top 10s. He's just 32. Paul Casey has 10. He's 43. Tony Finau, 9 top 10s. He's 31. Brant Snedeker has nine, and he's 40. Uh, Xander Shoffley has eight. He's 27. John Rahm has six. Mark Leishman, six. So, you know, when you start going down best players that are currently active yet to win a major, you know, I mean, you have, you have to, as far as those guys that are in form, I mean, Tony Finau, uh, John Rahm, um, Xander Shoffley, and then I would also throw a guy that's not on that list because he's just too, you know, young. He may be in that uh, Morikawa uh, uh, category is Victor Hovland. Five top fives this year. So those are the guys that I would probably put on my top of the list. Tovlin, Finau, um, uh, Xander, and Rom probably as, as the guys that could break out and, and win their first major this week of the PGA. What's the fan situation going to be, do you know? A lot more fans. Uh, I don't know the exact count, um, but they are going to have fans there in South Carolina. So we should be able to hear some roars. We saw them in Texas last week. It was huge. The players have commented on it, but... Uh, they are they are letting some fans back in. It's starting to look a little bit more normal, at least for the PGA. Uh, I can tell you ahead of the U.S. Open next month in San Diego, um, it's still very very limited, and so um, even media wise, you know we're we're getting shut out again. So 
Um, I'm looking Ryder Cup before we're going to be able to be back on site. And hopefully, um, hopefully all of next year we'll be back on site. But this week, I think you'll see more fans than, than probably at, uh, at the U.S. Open next, next week or next month, rather, in, at Torrey Pines. Outdoors, ocean breezes, 36% of America or something like that vaccinated. I, I would think that sounds pretty safe. You know what? That's a uh, that is a <laughs> that's a debate right, right there right, that I don't want to get into on a golf talk show. But uh, but yeah, hundred uh, <laughs> percent, man. I'm so tired of the whole thing. I'm, I'm I'm honestly I'm so tired of it. Like it's you know the people that said it's not safe and the people that say it's safe are both you know so passionate. It's just it, those conversations are just so they're just tiring, aren't they? I mean, it's just tiring. So. Yeah, they are, but I'm really curious to see what side you fall on, Brian. <laughs> oh, are you really? You want to you want to throw me out there? <laughs> uh, honestly, I think details matter. I think you sitting in a media room uh, with a hundred other media people—that's probably not that safe. But for some dude standing on the 15th fairway with 10 mile an hour breeze coming off the ocean, I don't think that's that big a deal. How about deal. standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona? Uh, yeah, probably yeah. okay. That's a pretty small town. There's probably no one standing <laughs> on the corner with you. I think you're good to go. That is such a fine sight to see. <laughs> they actually have a statue on that corner. Do they really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, they have an. I've seen those photos. You can Google yeah. it when you're done here. You can find it. Okay. Yeah. I have a friend of mine whose wife is from Arizona, and he asked her. When he when he was dating her, have you been to Winslow? And and she's like, yeah. And he goes, did you stand on the corner? And she goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, I don't know if this is going to work out. Exactly, <laughs> man. He goes, I don't know if this is going to work out. And I think beyond that, the next question is, do you like golf? If the answer is, <laughs> I don't know, and no, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Wow, wow, we went from uh, Kiowa to Win- Winslow real quick there. Uh, that was awesome. You think to this, my friend's marriage. <laughs> you think this PGA this time of year is here to stay? Yeah, I think so. You know, and that's actually another thing to note when you're comparing 2012. That was in August, and the winds blow a lot more in August than in May. You know, I think the way that the schedule has changed. Look, we we talked about this when it happened, right? This is the this is the PGA Championship teaming up with the PGA Tour to try to get the big events, uh, for major championships and FedEx Cup playoffs done before football starts. I mean, football's king. You know, it, it always has been. Well, I don't know if it always has been. Baseball probably at one point. But it, it certainly is king right now with sports. And so the PGA recognizes that they're yielding to football and saying, look, let's, let's have our season be when we don't have to compete with that 1,000-pound um, gorilla. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's probably there to stay. You, you look at the way it slates out now. You've got players in March. you got Masters in April, PGA in May. U.S. Open in June and the Open Championship in July, and then that gives you August for the playoffs, and then you either put a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup there in September, and and uh, and, and there's your your schedule. The tough thing is this year fitting in the Olympics, and you know players are dropping out of that like um, like flies right now. So um, it's it's tough. It's going to be tough to schedule more major events late in the year. I, I, is is what it looks like to me. I always thought the golf season really lagged, though. I think they needed a major this, and, and so it was weird at first. I think I'm starting to settle into it, and there's no doubt it makes way more sense on multiple levels to stay away from football in the fall, absolutely, but also just kind of the momentum of the season. Everybody gets fired up for the Masters and go all the way to Father's Day. That was too long. No, I love the wait, though. No. Anticipation of no. it all. No, I'm glad the PGA is coming too soon. No, it's not. Actually, I think I side with DJ on this one. I think you're right. It, it did kind of lag a little bit. Um, 
you know, you had Memorial uh, that would play in there. You'd look forward to some of those events. But it did feel like, you know, golf, golf revolves around it. Players will all admit it, around the four major championships. And so um, those, those are the big events. And, and, you know, the fact that they come a little bit more um, in a little bit uh, more consistent cadence, I think is good. That's good for the game. Yeah, it gives but- guys something every month to look forward to. I, I, right, but then it's almost like a day and a half between the uh, U.S. and British. Uh, because of the travel, right? That one feels a little tight, but right. the, the rest of like the, it doesn't feel like a day and a half since Augusta. That feels like a no, year ago already. I'm, uh, you got me there, but yeah. the, I, I, I think that when we get this year, when we get to the British, I'm going to be sad that the majors are over and we're just barely halfway through the summer. Okay, f- fair enough. Yeah, I mean, from a major standpoint, your middle of July majors are over, and and now you're looking forward to you know at least it's a Ryder Cup year. I got I mean, you. That's, on my, that. that's my favorite event outside the Masters. Sure. Golf, yeah, so. I can I can live with that. They could move the British Open back a week or two, and it wouldn't bother me greatly. And the weather would be the same. See, it's going to be right. cold and windy any time you play. Right. So. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. who should be the number one pick tomorrow in the draft? Bob will have you the know, number one pick. Who's gonna Who's gonna be the number one pick? I, I wondered if you flip, you uh, switched me up to because I was give you a bad time about who you pick. I wonder if you put me on first to try to try to give you a little heads up. Uh, so so I've, here's my picks. Right, early week. Rory. I mean, he's a two time winner of the PGA. You know, um, just won a couple weeks ago. He he's the one that you'd put two and two together, right? And you'd say, okay, Rory won the last time he played, and he won the last time it was here. So let's let let's pick Rory. I, I think he's a good pick. Uh, I think he's got some confidence back. Um, Dustin Johnson. Back-to-back runner-up finishes uh, and six top tens at the PGA. Uh, I mean, that's something. He has not played very good. He's hurt, too, um, isn't he? Uh, I think he's okay. I, I think he's okay. He's just, he just hasn't been playing all that well. Uh, Brooks Kepka's still hurt, so I, I'm not sure I'd pick him. In fact, he's still struggling to bend over just to read putts. I, I think he's a, a way long shot at best. Um, and, and, by the way, uh, DJ did miss the cut at the Masters. Yeah. And so I would think that he's looking to maybe avenge that, and he's still the number one player in the world. I think Colin Morikawa is a sleeper. You know, I mean, not a lot of guys go back to back at the PGA, but you know what? The guy's still second in greens and regulation. He's second in strokes gained tee to green. He already won on a tough concession golf course to pick up that WGC. So I like Morikawa this week, and uh, Spieth, Hovland, and Finau. Those are those are my guys. So Rory, DJ, uh, Morikawa, Spieth, Hovland, and Finau. Um, if, if that if that helps. And if you're looking for a dark horse, go with John Daly, PK. You can't go wrong. John Daly. <laughs> John Daly. I've, read- been a Miller Li- I've been a Miller Lite guy. Always have been. Ever since I was eight. <laughs> he- He's actually on the board at 1,000 to 1. That's just throwing your money away right there. There you go. Why not? Hey, it's a good one. Long shot. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brian. We appreciate it. We'll catch you on Real Golf Radio. And we did not move you around. I mean, you're going to sing against our picks no matter what. Now you're just singing against them on Thursday morning. I don't. I, didn't, I don't know why you even bothered thinking about that. Of course, you're going to sing against our picks. All right. Well, you know that's what we do, right? <laughs> right. All right. So, thanks, Brian. Thanks. Good to be with you. There you go, Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio right here on the Zone Sports Network. You can hear Real Golf Radio every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. right here on 97.5 FM and 1280 a.m. Later this morning, Bob Casper will join DJ and PK. We'll get to what's trending coming up next. All the headlines you guys need to know about the world in sports. NBA hoops last night, the playing tournament underway. Looking ahead to tonight's Western Conference matchups. We'll get to all of that next right here on the Zone Sports Network. 
Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NBA. Justin Holiday in the corner. He'll have to hurry. He'll get it down low. McConnell from the baseline, beat the clock, and scored as the third quarter draws to a close. Indiana is in total control. Tatum against Hachimura. Drives on him. Gets to the rim. Lays it up and in with the right hand. Hachimura didn't want to foul out. And the Celtics isolated him. And Tatum with 45 and counting. And Scott Brooks calls timeout. Jason Tatum moving to his left. Bertans in front of him. Tristan Thompson ambles out to set the screen. Tatum steps to his left. Three in the air. Got it. 48 for Jason Tatum. NBA playing tournament starts. Couple of Eastern games. You heard the highlights as the Pacers went up by 16 in the first quarter. 24 at the half. 30 after three. PK, you were going to watch those games, but I'm thinking you checked in on that and went over to the Golf Channel for some PGA Championship or maybe a little East Coast baseball because that was a whooping the Pacers put oh, on the first Friday. game. Yeah. yeah, the first game was nothing. Obviously, it was awful. So the Hornets are eliminated. The Pacers now go play the loser of the Celtics Wizards game. So they'll be in Washington playing for the eight seed because the Wizards had no answer for Jason Tatum. 50 points and a 118 100 win. Celtics taking control of that game in the third quarter and then pulling away in the fourth. You think Philadelphia regrets taking Markel Fultz one? Lonzo Ball 2, Jason Tatum 3. You would hope. Would we go left Jason a little Tatum talent, 1? Left a little talent on the board. I'd have to see that whole draft. I, I got it right in front of me. What do you want to know? I would think Tatum's the 1, but I haven't seen the whole draft. De'Aaron Fox 5. Josh Jackson, he's a player. For the G League. I was going to say for <laughs> which G I was waiting. Waiting for the comedy. And sitting there at 13, Donovan Mitchell. Ah, there it is. Out of bio at 14. Nice pick. Yeah. You see, you can have draft picks, but you got to. But if you spend it on Markel Fultz, when. Yeah, number one, man. He went number one. Tatum, Mitchell out of bio are on the board. Don't. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kuzma. Kuzma was a nice pick where he was taken. He'd be in the first half of the lottery now. The coups? Wouldn't he? You're yeah, skipping over some yeah, of the picks. There's but this. There's crap. Uh, Harry Giles. Isn't he a, like a singer? Yeah. <laughs> no. Is that Styles? Harry Styles, yes. I think it was, yeah, Giles plays close for enough. the Kings, I believe, now. Yeah. So, a bunch of nondescript players, man. Got to cash in and you get those high picks. And Markel Fultz, what a bust. Did Laurie Markinen go in the right spot? He was seventh in that draft. Is no. that about right? Is he no. about the seventh best player? Um, and Mitchell would go in front of him. I think Adebayo would go in front of him, wouldn't he? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no question he'd go and ahead of him. Tatum's in front of him. De'Aaron Fox is in front of him. Kadeem Allen? I just wanted to say Kadeem. Yeah, that wasn't a very good draft. No, really, it wasn't. Maybe... Three or four or five players and then a bunch of uh, yeah. nothing. Five players who are good and five players who are... Uh, and then what? Guys who didn't make it. All right, Western Conference playing game should be better tonight. Spurs and Grizzlies at 530. And then it's the Warriors and Lakers at 8. ESPN has the doubleheader tonight. 
Who do we want to win that? I don't think that it's a guarantee one way or the other. Uh, I think you want the Spurs and the Lakers to win. And then the Lakers go to no, the No, I don't care about bracket. the second game. And then you want I mean, the Spurs that, to upset the... <laughs> I don't care about that game. <laughs> and then you want the Spurs to upset the yeah, Warriors. But, but no, I'm talking about as the far Warriors, as you want to, Lakers. Do the Jazz want to play the Lakers or do the Jazz want to play the Warriors? Well, I don't think as a one seed you really want to play either one of them. Both those teams should be higher seeded, but they're not. I think you probably want to play the Warriors. Why? If the Warriors beat the Lakers, Lakers would be down... Even if they won and beat the Spurs or the Grizzlies or whoever it might be, and I guess they, you know, if they did, they'd go in an eight, obviously, but they would be down at that point. And wouldn't you want to catch a down team? The Lakers have more, marginally, but the Lakers have more good players than the Warriors, don't they? Doesn't it just come down to talent? Yeah, but you're not, you're not playing the roster, you're playing the team in the moment. Well, I guess if either team is really going to suck and be disconnected and whatever uh, other cool word you can throw out there, well, then I mean, you yeah, but want you, them. Your big thing, the Warriors are 15-5. and five. Mm-hmm. But okay, it's not so the greatest the, schedule the Lakers, of 15 and 15-5. The Lakers everyone not plays the same schedule, the same over. Come on. But not over 20 games. Whoop-de-doo. So I can go back and find whatever I'm trying to find out of that. Yep. I just don't think that it's a slam dunk. It's not. And I would say, that, but you want me off the fence, and I would say that marginally, I think the Lakers are going to be the tougher matchup. They've got more talent. But you're right, the pieces may not all fit. They may be out there struggling. We may be projecting something on them they're not capable of doing. Something to think about. Suns head coach Monty Williams named the Coach of the Year by his peers in the National Basketball Coaches Association. All 30 coaches vote. Jazz coach Quinn Snyder got some votes. Monty Williams gets the win. I don't see how Monty Williams is not the coach of the year in every poll. Because they came from further back. It's a bigger jump for them. Who overachieved the most? That's the, the, the award for coach of the year is who overachieved the most. It's clearly the Suns. That's, what, that's the essence of the award. Right or wrong, that is the essence of the award. Yeah. If you want to argue, should that be the essence of the award, I'm up for that. I love a good argument on sports. Bring it! I've been only been doing it for 20 years, man. Oh, actually you've been longer. doing it for more than that. I've been getting paid for it. Uh, so, I mean, I love that stuff. But that's the essence of the award, is who will overachieve the most. And in my mind, no team overachieved the most than the Suns. Therefore, it's Williams. I'd have to go back through all the preseason predictions. Did the Suns get picked in front of the Jazz anywhere? Yeah, two guys in Phoenix. Two guys in Phoenix. Suns.com. Those homers can't (laughs) vote for Monty, but everybody else. (laughs) How about for a half-season turnaround job in Atlanta? No. The Knicks. Not bad, but no. Okay. And that's pretty much it, right? For major overachievement? I would put the Jazz as overachieving. I I thought we'd already included them. Wouldn't put them as high. Because I think a lot of people picked them four, five, or six. And they got to one. So they clearly overachieved. Or in right. some cases, eight. Yeah. yeah. I picked them second if things ever, everything went well. So even even that, my best case scenario, they overachieved that. So certainly he deserves, Quinn Snyder deserves recognition and mention and all that stuff. NBA said Tuesday, Miles Turner, Indiana Pacers, is the NBA's blocked shot champion. Can you be champion or is that a leader? Anyway, 
whatever, over Rudy Gobert, despite the fact he didn't play 70% of the games, typically needed to qualify as a statistical leader. By rule, he fell four games short, having played in just 47. But he had such a big lead, if he played in 51 and blocked a shot, he still would have been in front of Gobert. So there it is. Gobert finishes second. Well, that's like a sis. That's an, an obtuse stat. Block shots. Doesn't measure everything that you want to be measuring when you're doing that. Shots prevented. Shots Shots altered. Shots never even attempted. Guys who didn't even drive into the paint. "Mm, Hence shots attempted. Shots that missed. Maybe weren't even altered, but still missed. He hurried him. His his defense speaks for itself. He doesn't need any stupid alterization of the rules. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. If you play well for long enough, these are the conversations that are, are going to come up. You know, I understand I'm, I'm not going to play forever, but I also, you know, have the mindset that I'm still playing really well and, and have, you know, a lot of good football in front of me. Um, but the most important thing to me is it, it comes from the belief in the building, the people who are actually making decisions, uh, the people who, um, you, you know, are with you day to day. That's Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons quarterback, having a similar conversation to what must be going on in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers without all the obviously visible emotion and bad feelings. 36, how much longer? When do we go get a new guy? When do we let the new guy play? What do we do with the old guy? Ryan's career not as illustrious as Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but still pretty good. He's been to a Super Bowl, throwing a gazillion touchdown passes. Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, all systems go. His doctor says he's going to be ready for that September 12 regular season opener against the Vikings. Good. Good for him. Eagles modified their offseason model, met with veteran players. They won't hold a mandatory minicamp this year. Additionally, there'll be no team or seven-on-seven drills during OTAs. Eagles coach Nick Sirianni said, we had some really good conversations with our players, some of our team leaders about the offseason program. So there you go. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Turnbull sets. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss! History! Spencer Turnbull has become the sixth Tiger pitcher to throw the eighth no-hitter in franchise history. His teammates burst out of the dugout and mob him at the mound. How about it? Brilliant all-night-long great defense behind him, especially Candelario in the seventh. And Spencer Turnbull has thrown a no-hitter here in Seattle. Fifth no-hitter of the year. Second time in a couple weeks that the Mariners have been hit with the no-no. And Turnbull really didn't have the confidence early on. Not a great bullpen session, but sure enough, at the end... His teammates are all over him. He's getting hit with water, beer, and baby powder. I feel like I'm watching Oprah. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. (laughs) You get a no-no. You get a no-no. You get a no-no. What the freak? Is it because guys are swinging the fences, don't care about strikeouts, nobody's trying to put the ball in play, which is where the hit happens? from last year, though. True story. Other thing that hasn't changed is the rule that you get to put a runner on second base in the 10th inning, so the Padres used a bunt and a wild pitch to score the game winner and beat the Rockies 2-1 to in 10. 
Another thing that hasn't changed. Pujols driving in another run. Bases loaded. Hit by pitch. I think on the uh, OT extra innings, maybe wait a little bit before you do that. Do it in the 12th or 13th? Something like that. Let them have some normal innings? Yeah, yeah. Instead of right off the bat. I like it. I don't really like the guy at second base rule. I mean, put him at first. Start him on one. Yeah, put in more strategy. You know, what do you do there? I'm with PK, though. Okay, two normal innings, then a guy on first for the 12th inning. Sure. Yeah. Then if it's guy in second for the 13th, the guy in third (laughs) for the 14th. (laughs) It feels pretty tricked up. And then just give him a run in the 14th. (laughs) 14th. Just just call it a day. (laughs) Coin flip. Uh, Dodgers beat the Diamondbacks 9-1. Giants beat the Reds 4-2. Is that going to be the the best division in baseball in the best race with the Giants, who weren't supposed to be good, right there with the Padres and the Dodgers, who were supposed to be excellent. Who right now are, you know, nice. The Padres are playing 600 ball. Not off the charts, but good. Dodgers a little off that pace. 600 is plenty good. Yeah. Once you get past Mother's Day, you're, you're starting to get in the heart of the season. So, uh, you know, I'll have to look at how it develops a little bit more. But, yeah, if the Giants can keep it up, I expect the other two to keep it up. Oakland Athletics in the American League West. Game and a half up on the Astros. The Athletics beat the Astros 6-5. to Ramon Laureano hit two homers. And then the game-winning sacrifice fly. So, the hero for a day is the Athletics stretch that lead to a game and a half over Houston. Top two teams in the AL West playing. And then for the Angels, Trout. Mike Trout. Cavs strain out six to eight. He thought it was. Uh, he thought it was his Achilles. He said he felt a pop. Well, that's not good. That's yeah, he said he was, he was like mortified about it. Corey Seager, a fractured hand. He's out two months. Same about about the same time. Part of the game. What are you gonna do? Mets outfielder Kevin Pillar, multiple nasal fractures. We were talking yesterday about all the blood on his coming up his uh, face after he got hit in the face. So. He walked the lineup card out yesterday. It was good to see, though. He's on the 10 day injured list. Bees wrapped up a 12 game homestand with a 9 3 win over Tacoma. They're off today and in Las Vegas tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, with Steve Klauke on the call. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. No job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, going to join us at 8.30. PGA Championship Preview with Bob Casper. Time for the draft, PK. You ready for our PGA Championship picks? Yeah, I'm going Phil, number one. Nine o'clock. And next, Pete Futak, National College Football Writer for CollegeFootballNews.com. New commissioner in the Pac-12, new plans, and PK, one of them caught your eye, would impact us here locally. Well, he's talking about expansion in the Pac-12, and what does that mean? We will get to that and his theories. That's next, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Number one. Because you're number one for 
The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes for Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. At Jerry Seiner Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. Coming up, we got Pete Futak, national college football writer for College Football News. He's going to join us in just a couple of minutes here, and he's got some interesting takes on the Pac-12 and where they go from here with a new commissioner. We do have a question of the day up, and we could dive in on that for one day. Are we all Warrior fans, or are we all Laker fans? What do you want to have happen tonight? Lakers and Warriors, winner gets the seventh seed and goes to the opposite side of the bracket from the Jazz. Jason says the Lakers aren't losing two in a row if LeBron's back. So we are Laker fans tomorrow. Meaning today. Yes. He must have posted it last night. Colin says, I'm going to hold my nose and root for the Lakers. Then try to be discreet when I throw up later on after coming to grips that I just rooted for the Lakers. Rooting for LeBron. He's going to throw up. But he's going to do it. It would appear that would be in the best interest of the Jazz, but be careful what you wish for. Yeah, because <laughs> they could be rolling in a conference final. It would be better to knock them out early. Take your chances. Yeah. Would you like to have the Lakers be in a win or lose situation? Basically, if they lose tonight, then Friday's at Game 7. Thomas goes the other way from a lot of people. I'd prefer to... F- face the Lakers. So I'm rooting for the Warriors in game one. It would be sweet if you get them and beat them and send them home. (laughs) Jacob, man. Jacob's on the top of the mountain. He's got a jazz flag on a pole and he is planting it. Jacob's just, I'm not sure why everyone's afraid of the Lakers. I say bring them on. I'd love to take them down. Has LeBron ever gone down in the first round? Have to check his early days in Cleveland. Been ousted that early? Not in a long, long time. Because that's the arc of the way it should go. Ah, Stockton and Malone at the end were going out in the first round. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Right. You're, you, you, you get in there. You build your yourself wet. up. You're at yeah. the top for a while. Yeah. Then you're down the other side. Right. A conference final loss, a first, second right. round loss. It's yeah. not that unusual for a superstar. I mean, usually that's the way it goes. You know, unless you're like Magic, who, you know, he had the deal where he had to retire. Yeah. Yeah, Magic. At like 30, Magic, 31. Yeah, Magic like bent the curve at both ends. Championship the first year and his last full season. Before he came he's, back. He was in the finals. Yeah, that. those were all like, he's playing eight games here or whatever, 12 games there. Yeah, so you know, it's got to happen some point for this uh behemoth of a basketball player. You can't just be awesome forever. Uh, LeBron was lottery early on. He has never gone out in the first round. He's 18 years old. First year they made the playoffs, they won a series and got to the second round. 
Because he's 36. He's been in the league 18 years. Wow. Yeah. Long time. It's got to happen at some point, man. He's going to slip, and probably along those lines, his team is going to slip. It's going to follow his advancement in age. Why not now? He's had lottery seasons where they missed it all together. A couple early and then the one late well, with the Lakers. With the Lakers, yeah. yeah. He, he was injured most of the time. Yep. I, I totally think it's conceivable and doable that they beat the Lakers. I don't know that I'm drastically more concerned about the Lakers over the Warriors. I will buy if you want to make an argument that you're more concerned about the Lakers than the Warriors. But am I drastically more concerned? I'm not sure. No, I think drastically is probably overselling it. But I think the the huge catch is you don't know how good the Lakers are going to be. I mean, we'll kind of get a read on that tonight. It's the playoffs. Right, so if they lose, then that's a positive sign for the Jazz in my mind. Sure. But do they lose with both guys playing 35 minutes? Are there injuries on top of this? Well, they're not going to rest, guys. No, but are they hurt? Well, then if they're hurt, who cares? They're right. not going to win it. Exactly. If they And if they lose in part because they're hurt and guys can't go or guys go for part Sucks of the game. Sucks for them, but right. so what? Show goes on. <laughs> nice. It don't matter. The show goes on. It the do. show goes on. <laughs> it will. It will happen either way. With or without them, if they're hurt. It's one of the better gifts with Leonardo DiCaprio from, what was that Wall Street movie he was in? What's it called? Wolf of Wall Wolf Street. Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. Bleep you. He's up there. Bleep sp- you indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not safe for work. Not even close. Russell says, let Phoenix eliminate the Lakers. Why? If they're going to be eliminated, wouldn't you want to do it? Thank you. <laughs> yes. The part you don't want to face in this part is where, you know, LeBron puts on the Superman cape and comes back and is, you know, 40 and 15, and the Lakers are looking like the champs again. But if they're looking like the champs they're again... They're going to get them down the road. Right. Although I think Jazz fans would rather get to the Western Conference Final and have some playoff success and feel that. I can argue it would be even a more bitter defeat at that point. Uh, that's... We've seen some Conference Final defeats here that have been bitter, so... This is one thing about losing to... Or, excuse me, beating Shaq and Kobe. Okay, you beat them, but whoop de do. They needed to be beat at that point. It's part of their process. But it was fun. And they, but Yeah, but they got three titles out of the deal. They did. You got zero. Yep. The walking out of the arena after the win, it was fun. LeBron's not going to beat... You weren't going to win three titles. More, I don't think. He's at, he's at a different spot in his career. Yeah. He could possibly three-peat. This could be the second of three. It's not out of the realm that they could win it this year and win it next year. I'd bet against it, but it's not out of the realm. Right, but you had no play in that right. last year. The, the Shaq-Kobe deal was different. They were real early in their career. All right, hit us up on uh, Twitter, David DJ James. We will, uh, we will get back to this. Right now, time to talk college football with Pete Futak, national college football writer for collegefootballnews.com. Pete, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. So, the Pac-12 has a new commissioner, and uh, you wrote uh, something at College Football News, kind of looking ahead, multiple things that they need to do and then they need to work on in the conference office to Vegas and 
Vegas is going to become to the Pac-12, what Atlanta is to the SEC. So you go through a lot of these things, but then you get to conference expansion, you throw 10 teams out, and you know you're going to get a call from Salt Lake City Radio when you write this, don't you, Pete? You did it on purpose. Um, of course. <laughs> well, that's part of the deal. But the whole point of the article is, like, if now that you've got this guy in George Klyukov who's going to be progressive in the way he's going to want to attack TV deals, uh, making the Pac-12 a bigger deal, the whole point of the article was like, all right, on day five, after he gets everything settled in and they sit down and say, okay, how do we make this thing bigger? He's kind of alluding to the idea of opening up expansion talk. And so the idea is, okay, if you're in that room and you're talking about expansion, where do you look to do this? And these are the teams that, and the schools that they should be talking about. So you have BYU, and BYU brings a lot to the table, but Utah's already in the media market. There's the different philosophies, BYU being a church school, Sunday play, some other political issues, whatever they might be, could be an impediment. But I always thought, and I agree with you, and the thing that you say is that you you don't think it's going to happen, but a scheduling agreement, because we see that Notre Dame has one with the ACC, and Notre Dame doesn't really need one, but they, they have one. Whereas BYU, if they can get a scheduling agreement with the Pac-12, because it's sort of de facto as it is, and I would love to see for BYU going forward four games every year against the Pac-12, four games every year against the Mountain West, and then they can figure out the other four. What do you think the uh, reality of that being that they can actually get a scheduling agreement literally playing three or four schools with the Pac-12 every year that has to be happened because the contract says it? Yeah, I don't know if you need the contract necessarily, but the very least, like you said, they can have sort of the Notre Dame, and I keep calling it the friends with benefits deal, with uh, where you're in, but you're kind of not. You you know, you can go play other teams, but you really are kind of an ACC team if you're Notre Dame, and you're at least thought of in that group. And it's not just this whole story when you talk about expansion and contracts isn't just about sports. It's about the affiliation. It's about, you know, just being a part of something big. And obviously, you know, Notre Dame is is right there in Big Ten country. And, you know, the Big Ten schools are generally stronger for the most part than the ACC schools up and down. Uh, But still, the ACC is obviously a very good academic conference. It's obviously got a whole lot of uh, prestige in a whole lot of ways. And so just that kind of affiliation that shows that, yeah, Notre Dame is at that level of overall affiliation, even if Notre Dame's probably right there with Duke as the best academic university in the, in the ACC mix. Same thing for BYU. You know, BYU, from a, um, a business standpoint, makes perfect sense for the Pac-12. You know, you have a humongous international fan base. You have a, an energy that's there. <coughs> Excuse me, I tickled my throat. And you've got this, uh, what, what they are, really are missing across the board, which are fans. You know, it's it's kind of lost in this whole thing with the Pac-12. Why isn't the Pac-12 making the gobs of money that other places are? It's because they don't get the butts in the seats. It's you know you don't get hundred. You don't have the hundred thousand sta- you know seat stadiums uh, packed with, like you have in the Big Ten and, and the SEC. You don't have you know your your one of your flagship. Uh, programs is Oregon and if you look at you know who are the top 20 programs in the country and certainly Oregon's up there you know it has almost uh, half just barely over half as many fans in their stands because Austin's so small 
compared to the Ohio States and the Alabamas of the world. So uh, you've got the big stadium, you've got the international fan base, you've got the fire and everything like that. But again, like you said, it's it's a little bit of a philosophical problem there compared to where the Pac-12 might want to go. Um because they're going to want just state schools. They don't want private schools. You want big alumni bases, big state schools. And for BYU, for right now, yeah, if you could find a way to make it, uh, get the Pac-12 in there as much as possible, that'd be great. But at the same time, if you're BYU, it's also kind of nice to be able to schedule anybody you want. So that's a little bit, that's, that's the big positive about being an independent. I thought one of the other interesting things in this uh, story was that you thought they might make a run at Oklahoma and that Texas was unattainable and that maybe Oklahoma and Texas would be fine with going their separate ways for a long time. They were in different leagues, Big 8 and the Southwest Conference. So is this more speculative? Is there really stuff out there? How serious is this? Oh, it's all speculative. I mean, right, again, the whole point of the article is saying if you're, if you're meeting and saying who do we go after – this is who you go after. And you know, if you remember 10 years ago, Oklahoma was just this close to being a Pac, at the time it was Pac-10, the Pac-12 school, and they were almost there. I mean, there was all the expansion talk was kicking in. There was uh, the Big Ten in Texas were talking. You had all this, this momentum about Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma possibly moving. Uh, so there's always been sort of that underlying current that, yeah, that might be the program to go get. The problem uh, for the Pac-12 with Texas is it's the by far the most profitable college football program going. I mean, they just that place is just a cash machine, and it it just makes too much financial sense for uh, Texas to to move in. They don't want to share any of that pie with the Pac-12. Better for them to rule the roost and then go after uh, American Athletic Conference programs like Houston and you know Cincinnati and Memphis and even maybe UCF or USF uh, than it would be to move to the Pac-12. Uh, and even the Big Ten would actually move, make, make sense for them. But Oklahoma has always, again, they were, right, they were really, really close. And that's the type of move where if you're Oklahoma and you want to raise your school's overall profile, that's how you do it because that's where you go nationally because the Pac-12 just makes sense. It's an obviously fish-out-of-water thing comparing the world of Norman, Oklahoma, to Los Angeles. But you have some you have some general ties there, especially if you can get some of the other Big 12 programs to jump, jump in. And if you're the Pac-12, you desperately, desperately have to have a big-time football program in the central time zone because the, the whole Pac-12 after dark thing is cute and all, but your product fails if half the country's asleep when some of your best games are happening. How about the other way around, Pete, that the Big 12 goes after the two Arizonas and two L.A.s and brings them in? Uh, that's a, the problem with that is the Big 12 has just not been progressive enough in that way. I, to, for the life of me, I do not know why the Big 12 has not snapped up uh, you, you know, South Florida and uh, UCF. Those are two gigantic schools with 50,000-plus enrollment, massive alumni bases, and they've got, well, well, the idea of a TV market doesn't matter quite as much now in a streaming world. It does matter when you have just the general media market areas. You've got Tampa and you've got Orlando. You've got the I-4 corridor there. That should be a no-brainer. It should be a no-brainer to get to expand further and give West Virginia kind of a, 
while Cincinnati's not quite a next-door neighbor geographic rival, at least it makes sort of philosophical sense to get a Cincinnati or to get Memphis or to get, even though you are a Texas-based conference, to get Houston, uh, just to lock down that area of the world. But they just haven't wanted to do it. They just have not been progressive in that. And the problem for the Big 12 is, you know, why would the Pac-12 teams do that? Why would Arizona, uh, Arizona State and the L.A. schools give them their markets? Because right now, who's your biggest TV market if you're uh, the Big 12? It's Dallas and, uh, you know, some of the Texas markets. Maybe Kansas City to a certain extent for basketball. Uh, but even that's become more SEC-centric with Mizzou going to the SEC. So it's really not an advantage for the L.A. teams to go do that. And on the flip side, again, kind of the point here is you've got this commissioner who's coming in who's going to want to change up everything, and he's going to make uh, the more interesting deals out there to try to make this Pac-12 a whole lot bigger and stronger. You throw out a lot of Mountain West schools here, but I think for one reason or another, academically, the Pac-12 has always been really opposed to letting in state schools that aren't major research institutions like San Diego State and Fresno State or UNLV, Nevada. Boise State's academics have always been an issue, so you put them on the list, but that would take a major, major change from the presidents to sign off on anything like that. Which is why Boise State's low on the list, which is why Fresno State's low on the list. I mean, you know, I, I'm not dogging any of these academic institutions by any stretch, and you're right. It's all about research more than just academic prestige. But, you know, not like Arizona State and Oregon State or, you know, the Harvards of the West. I mean, you've got Stanford, you've got Cal, you've got UCLA, USC, some of the most prestigious colleges in, in the country. San Diego State is kind of up their profile. San Diego State's done enough. Uh, to, I, I know this firsthand because kid wants to uh, go to Palm Tree U and go live the life in someplace warm, so I've looked into this way too much. But San Diego State is at least gotten up to a, a stronger, bigger overall level. And then from a sports and marketing standpoint, the key to San Diego State is that they don't have an NFL team. You're talking, you know, there's Sacramento, Portland, and uh, San Diego, I think, are the three biggest markets, uh, media markets, that don't have a, a direct, obvious tie-in to a uh, to a uh, to an NFL team after you know the Chargers left to San Diego. So that's an area that's sort of a professional sports town in a, in a slew of ways. Uh, obviously, it's a fickle sports town because it's San Diego, and there's just too much stuff to do. But there's a base there. And you can expand that market a little bit more, even though San Diego does obviously own and is into the L.A. teams as well. How about BYU to the Big 12? I don't know why that hasn't been pushed more either. I mean, it, it's again, you always have the problem with the, the Sunday. I, I think the Sunday games and things is not that big a deal. I kind of think that's a, that's a little bit of a, a, a talking point to say, oh, this is why it's not working. Again, you're, you're talking about two different philosophical conferences, including geography, including mindsets, including political views and values. And I kind of think big, BYU matches better with the Big 12. And again, the problem, again, is that the Big 12 just is not that progressive when it comes to expansion. It just does not want to split up its pie because if you're Texas and you're Oklahoma, you're liking this. You know, Texas, again, it's the number one most profitable college athletic department in all of the whole game. And Oklahoma's right up there. 
overall, their TV deal for now isn't all that bad. And it's actually better in a lot of ways than the, what the Pac-12 brings. Uh, I, to me, if you're able to get by, uh, you know, the, the private school aspect and, you know, the other parts of BYU that some don't like, well, that's a, I always said that is a great fit because, again, you're talking about a, a big, gigantic international fan base. You're talking about a pretty decent market there with you guys in Salt Lake. You're talking about a big stadium. It just increases that footprint that much more, and it raises the overall profile. And for the Big 12, that would be a great expansion call. I think of all the things you said that are most intriguing, I think it's when you brought up streaming because it's clearly where everything's going. The question is how quickly the NFL just signed an 11-year deal. And they did put Thursday night streaming on Amazon. Uh, yep. and, and it'll be interesting to see when this deals up in 11 years what happens to all the traditional networks and how the NFL handles that. But in a streaming world, the BYU fans who are scattered, who aren't a factor in the cable TV world, but the 5,000 fans who are in Tennessee, the 3,000 fans who are in Maine, the 15,000 fans who are in Florida, all of a sudden, start adding that up, BYU will be in a whole different weight class. <laughs> it'll be yeah. the, the money side of it will be different. Uh, but I just wonder how close we are to that and how much longer Cougar fans have to wait. But they, they draw five to 10,000 fans wherever they go in the country. And if those people will buy streaming, and then I would expect they would, that changes, that changes the math equation for mega money. It also changes why BYU would want to join a conference. You know, it, again, the, 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 the thing about some of the, it depends on the religious schools and where they're at in general. For example, you know, Notre Dame's just a different animal because it's Notre Dame. But a place like Liberty, I'm comp- I know I'm comparing, you know, apples to, you know, bananas here when it comes to this. But the problem with Liberty is, while it's it got sort of that re- religious affiliation, there's a lot of baggage to that, which, you know, the Conference USA's of the world don't really want to, to take on. BYU, the religious factor, I don't think it should be the the big deal it would be as it would be for other places. I mean, look at the, you know, the Big 12 itself. You've got a place like TCU, you know, which is, you know, Texas Christian University. You know, they, there is a, re- a religious tie-in there. There are it's not really that giant a barrier I think for the Big 12 as it would be for uh the Pac-12. And when it comes to the streaming side of things, you're right. Again, it's it's I love the the idea of business-wise at BYU. I just it, it, the fan base is just there. I, I know it. I, I know. I can tell from the articles I write and the you know the appearances I make that there's a there's such a positive energy with that base that's just going to be you know just rabid for anything it does. But if you're BYU, it might make more financial sense just to stay on your own. The only reason why BYU might want the affiliation would be for the affiliation in terms of academics and just being part of the whole research uh, side of things like you alluded to before. And in that way, shape, and form, the Pac-12 is miles ahead of the Big 12. I know Big 12 people yell at me for this, but it just is. You just, you would, if you're BYU and you're going to make that move, you really would rather be affiliated with the Pac-12 than you would be with the Big 12. And being independent is not that bad. You know, they're making money. You know, they, they get to keep it all. It's a nice deal. You get to create your own schedule. Yeah, I know from a sports side of thing, it's frustrating because you don't have that, you know, you know, conference championship to play for. Uh, but in, at the end of the day, money-wise, revenue-wise, it's a really sweet deal for, for the Cougars. 
Well, Pete, we'll uh, tweet out a link to your story and people can read it for themselves. And uh, you can check him out online, collegefootballnews.com. Pete, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, guys. You have a good one. Pete Futak, College Football News right there. Did you hear that, boys? The giant international fan base. (laughs) Underscore that. Multiple times, ginormous, large, gargantuan. Normally those are words that are reserved for you and your ego. But for now, we're talking about BYU and its fan base. Behemoth. All the folks in England. Juggernaut. You're going to get the streaming package? You're going to pay the big money? I'm streaming for streaming. Underscore that. Cut that up, Yach. We've got shows and shows. All you doubters. They are there, and they are there in abundance. And they're not going away. It's time for the Unigolf PGA Championship giveaway. Be caller number 12 right now and see what player you get for this year's PGA Championship. 25 callers will be paired with the top 25 players in the world, while the 26th will be assigned the field. If your golfer... Wins. If your signed golfer wins, you win the same brand of putter that player has in their bag. Caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. We'll get a golfer. Caller 12, 855-340-ZONE. Who's it going to be, Yuck? We're going with Paul Casey. Paul Casey, Paul there Casey, it is. Paul Casey, Arizona State. Yeah, I got your academics. The Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. Paul friggin' Casey. Arizona State assistant baseball coach gets the head coaching job at UCSB. Is talking recruiting in the sports information office, and I'm there as a student assistant. He goes, that chair right there could get into Arizona Yeah, that, and welcome to 1983. A little bit old there. Nice dated reference there, Gramps. Some things never change. Including your cluelessness. <laughs> All right, the PGA Championship giveaway brought to you by UNA Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. Bob to Rudy. Oh, he packed it with the right hand. Produce three all-stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over. And now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go. When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Registration now open for Skyhawk Sports Academy summer camps. Join us for an action-packed, fun-filled summer of youth sports camps at a location near you. Choose between soccer, flag, football, fueled by USA Football, golf, baseball, cheerleading, multi-sport camps, mini-hawk camps, and more. Find program information and register today at www.skyhawks.com. All right, we just had Pete Futek on, National College Football Writer for collegefootballnews.com. You like having him on. uh, He said what you said about the scheduling agreement with the Pac-12. Do you think that or expansion? Do you think anything changes with well, not anything, but do you think anything along those lines changes with the new commissioner? Because on the business side of things, things need to change. Football's going to Vegas, the conference office. I think you could bet on them going to Vegas. That seems like a pretty safe bet. Vegas? Move the network, the TV network out of the expensive San Francisco real estate. Well, he is because the contract is still there, though. And yeah, he's a, he has the Vegas roots. I'm I don't know joking. that it's going to go back. I don't know the conference office is going to go to Vegas. Think it'll stay in San Francisco? No. No, but there's 
plenty of options within the conference that you can go to that are far, far cheaper. Corvallis. Salt, Salt, Salt Lake City. Salt Lake Utah. City. Not coming to Salt Lake City. Phoenix, baby. Yeah, Phoenix is an obvious one. You get out of Sky Harbor and get anywhere. Not, yeah, it's not fun. that far away. It's fun. But uh, maybe. But all the expansion fun. stuff, it just seems like it's so tied to the presidents and the academics, and it just seems like they're at 12. They're just, unless they can pry Oklahoma away. Yeah. Which, if you can get Oklahoma, you Well, know. they'll take Oklahoma and Chico State. <laughs> Chico State. They will. As long as you get Oklahoma, who cares who the other team is or the other university and their friggin' research? Uh, <laughs> so. I think that for BYU's perspective, a scheduling agreement as long as uh, as they're independent, I don't know that the commissioner is going to get involved in that. That seems too minutia. But for the individual universities, yeah, I think they need to put BYU on their schedule as much as possible because they have fans, and the fans are going to show up. And did you see how many empty seats were at Stanford and UCLA before the pandemic hit? Acres and acres of empty seats. Yeah, but that's but your team sucks, though. You, I mean, UCLA, yes, but at Stanford? Uh, they suck a lot. Like, last year, the worst record? <clears throat> the, well, last year doesn't count. No, last year. year. Would you go back? The, the four year before. Eight. Yeah. I mean, I forget. I don't really care what, what last year record matter, was right? last year. Uh, but the year before was the worst they've ever had. And even in good times, I mean, that's the price you pay when you bring in students from all over the world. And there isn't any big-time buzz, and it's a high academic place. So there, there isn't that overwhelming sports football win-at-all-cost mentality. So I don't know that you're ever going to make a difference there. But Stanford has scheduled BYU many times over. Yes. And they'll yeah. continue to do that. I've been there. I've covered several games where the Cougars have played. Uh, and I think it's, it's important for BYU's perspective. Maybe not as much for the Pac-12, but I do think that they bring in fans uh, but I think it's important for BYU on a number of reasons here because I think the fan, your fan base is Western-oriented and they are way more familiar with Pac-12 teams. And then I think for them, it's it, to a degree, it's fun in that, uh, like this year, you know, you're both going to play ASU. You're both going to play SC. Uh, who else? Is there anybody else? Uh, it's, uh, Washington, Washington State. State, yeah. So you, you sort of have a little bit, well, and then you play each other, obviously. So you have a level of common opponents, because I think that's part of the the downside for BYU is that you, there isn't the fun of watching somebody who could beat somebody that could help you. There's very little of that in terms of a conference race. There's zero. There's still some of that. If you beat uh, you beat Utah, and ironically, if then Utah goes eleven and one, that would help you in that respect. You'd get made more. Res- I don't know if it'll make a difference, but at least in respect wise, if you beat them and they whomever it might be, so there is a little bit of that, but not to the level. Whereas if you played in the Pac-12, there's a lot of fun that you can have with that because you look at. BYU's biggest wins in independence. Now, clearly at home, I don't think there's any question, it was SC. Unless I'm missing somebody. I don't think you're missing somebody. Right. 
I mean, I was there. They're blasting. We are the champions. They stormed the field. That was a fun environment that Saturday afternoon. It was a day game. And Texas would be second? At home, although they beat them both. They beat, they beat them down there, the too. Yeah, I was, I, was going, I was running through the road wins, yeah. and then you can argue, well, Texas, well, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. well, Michigan State, well, Wisconsin, Tennessee Michigan. in overtime. What a crazy finish. Michigan State really sucked that year. As it turned out, yes. And Wisconsin, and at the, and with Michigan State, it was later, uh, so you knew they weren't as good. Wisconsin was earlier in Scott Gerard's greatest call, telling me, I, I think you need to go to that game. Why? They're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, I think we need to cover that game. Great call. <laughs> to my utter amazement. <laughs> <laughs> they won that game. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What's the tight ends coach? The small dude. What's his name? Steve Clark. Clark jumping yeah. into Jeff Grimes' arm. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the field. And I snapped that picture. I, Kate, PK. <laughs> to this day, I'm with DJ on this. When you sent us that picture, I thought you'd taken it from BYUphotos.com yeah. or something. Yeah, I that was it. some AP guy. Or that something was a it. marvelous photo. Yeah, it was me. Framed perfectly, like <laughs> caught the moment, everything. Yeah, <laughs> it was me. I saw like that old uh, thing where you see. Two lovers on the beach running to each other in slow motion. motion. (laughs) (laughs) Some movie scene that they do for comedy because nobody really does that. Such a cliche. And I saw him running towards Grimes. Ooh, I better have this out, man. (laughs) I snapped it real quick. So uh, I think it's important for the Cougars to get as many Pac-12 games as they can every single season. And I think Tom Homo already knows that anyway. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, Big game tonight, Lakers and Warriors. Winner is the seventh seed and plays the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs. The loser will play again for the eighth seed and might end up playing the Jazz. So who are you rooting for, the Lakers or the Warriors? We're getting a lot of responses. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, Facebook, DJ and PK. Grab your phone, use our app, use the open mic feature. Send it to Yach, he'll play it. Old school and calls 855-340-ZONE. Big game tonight, 8 o'clock ESPN, Lakers and Warriors. Who are you pulling for? We will do that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sales going on now. Get rid of the contacts and the glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Tonight, Lakers, Warriors. Winner is the seventh seed in the West, and they play the number two seed, the Phoenix Suns. They go to the other side of the bracket. The loser will go home to face, well, I guess in the case of the case of the Lakers, they'd stay home to face the winner of the Grizzly Spurs game for the eighth seed, and presumably be a heavy favorite and win that. So, Jazz fans. Who do you want to win tonight? Because they're in the playoffs on the other side of the bracket. You can't see them in the conference final. And whoever loses tonight, there's a pretty good chance. It's one game, so you never know. But there's a pretty good chance that whoever loses tonight will end up playing the Jazz Sunday in Game 1 of the NBA playoffs. Yeah. Well, if you want the Lakers to lose, then I think you would want the Lakers to lose. (laughs) I see what you did there. Because I think the Jazz have the best chance to beat the Lakers. So if you don't want the Lakers to win the title, then you want the Lakers to lose tonight. 
in the way I look at it. Because if I look at the teams in the West, I really believe if the Lakers are what they're capable of and everybody's they're healthy, healthy and all that and, stuff, right. I think the team to have the best chance to beat them in the West is the Jazz. So with that in mind, if I want the Jazz, of course, we all think that you, our listeners want the Jazz to win. There's a few L.A. of you people. And go the hell back to California. I'm so sick of you. <laughs> you get in my way, okay? Uh, if you didn't come here by the year 2000, then get out. <laughs> I'm in, and I'm closing the door behind me. I got in. You can't come in now. Go away. Yeah. Isn't that the essence of immigration? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm here. What are you doing here? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> You're just crowding our streets and polluting our air. So if you don't so we got that as an assumption that you're rooting for the Jazz to win it all. But you're probably also your second choice, well, if you choose playoffs, A, you want the Jazz to win it all. B, you want the Lakers to lose somewhere along. Yeah. There. Those are the two things in that order. And so, with that in mind, I really believe the Jazz have the best chance to oust the Lakers. And there is a line of thinking that if you're going to beat the Lakers, get them early. Because the longer they stay together, and this all assumes they stay healthy, but the longer they, get to, the longer they play and the more they win, the more they'll get into a groove and they'll be the team that we all thought they were. True. The defending champs who were picked to win the West and have the best record in the conference. And they didn't get it, and they largely don't have it, because AD got hurt and LeBron got hurt. So the longer they're together, you would assume they're winning, they're playing better, and that they will be harder to play in the conference finals than they will be in the first round. Now, I know some of you are like, but they could beat us in the first round. Yeah, (laughs) they could. You're right. It's a risk. Hey, PK, if you want risks, what are you doing in the NBA playoffs? Am I right? There's always a risk. There's other good teams. What are you going to do? You know, I don't know either that if the Lakers were healthy for 72 that they would have beaten the Jazz because now that may be, what are you talking about? I don't think going forward for the rest of his time and the rest of Anthony Davis's time, they're not going to be healthy for 72 slash 82. Even if they that. are healthy, not, they're not going to play it anyway. That's, that's not uh, that's not a crazy prediction right there. AD's had plenty of injuries. LeBron's yeah. been hurt twice in three years. I will say the injury that happened to LeBron this year doesn't have anything to do with age. That's like you could you could be you could be in your twenties. How long it took him to come back mm, might be age. Okay, but, it's but so, someone so two out of the last three years he's had major injuries. <clears throat> right, and the one that first injury, the one two years ago, that could be age. But the one that happened this year, if someone steps on your foot like that with that much force, well, you could be 28. Yeah, but I could argue you're not as quick to get out of the way, whatever it might be. I would and argue he, that he might have been back in three weeks and, or two weeks. Certainly or, that. Know, I don't think the, there's the any question about that. Time I, would, is where I, I agree with that 100%. Right. But it's just interesting that once he starts to get to mid-30s, he starts getting injured. Yeah. And last year, see, that's why last year to me, Of all the asterisks on titles, I think that one needs to be The bubbles are one. Because you had three months off. And no fans. With injured dudes. No fans, no travel, and months to get healthy. Yeah. But it happened, it happened, so there's no point worrying about it. Everybody was in and cashed the checks, so it's not good to whine about it. You cash the checks, don't whine about it. Right, but there were unusual circumstances that they're... 
they basically had they orchestrated through injury and rest this year anyway by giving them they because they had not quite but Anthony Davis had a good two months off. I mean, he lasted. He played the week before the All Star game. <laughs> Shut her down. And they were talking about, oh, he'll be back in March. And I talked to my LA guy. He said he ain't coming back. I remember coming on the air and saying that. And he's not coming back. It's going to be a good long while. And it's exactly what it was. It was a good long while. So can they go? So I don't think the Jazz need to say, well, they had an asterisk on the regular season. They had the best record because of the Laker injuries. I I disagree completely on that. Because the Lakers, if they're not going to have injury, they're going to make up stuff (laughs) going forward. Those guys are not going to be Iron Men. It's just not going to happen. Utah Man and I quotes Charles Barkley and sends us this. If the Lakers play Utah, they're going to lose. If the Lakers play Utah, who's they? The Lakers? Lakers. Oh, yeah, they're not talking about the Jazz. Okay. <laughs> they're talking about the Lakers. Yeah, so so Barkley, who actually has a horrific repu- uh, reputation for making picks, eh, picks the Jazz. Picks are picks. Yeah. Uh, and, and and Charles likes to have a little shock value. It's something that I just don't understand at all. Be saying stuff for shock value. It just makes no sense to me why anybody would do that. That's yuck, ridiculous. Yuck, 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 yuck. Uh, so... Tyler wants to backdoor it. Laker fans, let them have seven. Hope the Spurs win over Memphis and Golden State to get to eight. That's not happening. I don't see it happening. Sure, if that if you can give me that, I would rather play of the four teams, the Spurs. There's yeah. no question. It's obvious. Yes. The Spurs are the worst of the four, and Memphis is third. And Yeah. But what? Okay, that gives you a first round. Good for you. And then by the time you get to the yeah. second round, guess what? It's on! Because... When you have the best record in the league, if you're not in the conference final, it's a disappointment. And the second round is Lakers or Mavericks. So that'll be a test either way. Excuse me, no, Clippers. Saying, Clippers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Clippers or Mavericks. I thought I, thought I had that memorized. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, one of us did. It wasn't me. Clippers or Mavericks in the second round. So you're not backdooring the second round. You're getting a really good team. No. No, not at all. Yeah, you beat the Clippers. That's an accomplishment. And I don't, I don't care if Paul George goes 420 every single game. Big deal. So it sucks for him and them. But if you beat them, that's an accomplishment. Uh, they're a decent ball club. And obviously they didn't care as much. They orchestrated the standings probably more than anybody. Kyler says, as gross as it sounds, we should root for the Lakers tonight. Gross. I think there's something to be said for that. Rooting for the Lakers? If you want the Warriors. There's something to be said for that. But I can go, I can make arguments either way and make them strong. So I don't, I'm not, there's something to be said for that, but I'm not 100% sold on that. Well, the huge question mark here is you don't know how good the Lakers are going to be coming together. Is there going to be an adjustment period here as everybody gets on the same page? Because that's enough to sink you. It's what we were talking about with Donovan Mitchell. The, the four games, if you're... If you're not in rhythm and on top of your game, it can get away really fast. And that's true for anybody. It's true for and the Jazz and Lakers are both trying to integrate a really important player. And if you're if you're not all on the same page when the other team's preparation at its best and the adrenaline's flowing and all the hype and they're focused, it can get away from you fast. 
And that that goes for any team that's trying to integrate an important player back into the lineup. Yeah, but the, I, I disagree to an extent, the theory, but the idea of uh, the logic, the next step that you're taking, is it may be difficult f- to integrate that player. When you integrate your best player, they integrate to you. You don't necessarily integrate to them. And offensively, Mitchell's their best player. Right. And with the Lakers, LeBron is his, they're their best. He's their best player in many areas, not just offensively. So it's up to the other guys, particularly with the Lakers, because he is such the alpha. There, I mean, I can argue there's More so never, than Donovan, yeah. and there's never been anybody that great, that dominant on a team. Certainly in my life, and since I so started he's watching better than the second best player by such a wide margin. Even Jordan to Pippen wasn't as big a gap as LeBron to AD. I could argue that. Mm-hmm. So you look at that. So it's clear when he is in uniform, he is the man. Everything revolves around him. Now the good thing about him. He's not jacking up a bunch of ridiculous no, He'll get you the ball. No, he makes the right play. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's a, as I see it, a big-time team player. So he's got no problem making the pass. I've been saying all these years, you want to argue who the best point guard is, I'm taking LeBron every time. And I he, can't remember who, who the player was, but he was here, and I think it was right at the end of his uh, time with Cleveland – and he had a shot yeah, to win the that. game, and yeah. he threw the ball. He was doubled, and he threw it to somebody else who missed it. Yeah. He's like, it was the right play. Like, and he took heat for it. No, he can't yeah. hit the big shot. Right. Yeah. Right. But he made the play, and the other guy didn't make the shot. I, right. I, I don't remember who it was either, but I know what you're talking about. So uh, he'll do that. So it's not like it's, uh, wow, I really, really have to alter my game. It's not like Chris Bosch. Had to alter his game so dramatically with <laughs> well, Miami. I think, I think the thing is that it's when the third or fourth player on the court, should he take that open shot or should he get the ball back to the star? You know, the whole thing Quinn's been saying about we can't pass up open shots. Oh, should I get the ball back to Donovan because the shot clock's running down or is it's my shot? And you hesitate or you make the wrong decision. You know, those are the things that in close games can sink you. Uh, but maybe yeah. not. Maybe these guys are good enough. And, you know, you can't underestimate the fact that you know, you're going to have a couple practices if you're the Jazz, and the Lakers are going to have a game. Well, they would have two games, right, before they played. To, the only way to get to eight would be to lose to the Warriors <laughs> right. and then win the next one, and they'd have two games. And, you know, every game you get back into the rhythm a little more. So counting on the other team having problems adjusting, I mean, it's, it's certainly possible, but you can't count on it. A couple games under the belt, then they might be getting in the groove. I don't fear the Lakers. They're, they're very good when they're clicking. But so are the Jazz. So I don't have this great fear of them. I think you're alone there. <laughs> I should we run a poll? Do you fear the Lakers? From the Jazz perspective? Yeah. No. Are we talking right but, now? Yeah, but, yeah, right now. See, you guys and in, in the internal media does this. By saying that, mm-hmm. you're disrespecting the Jazz. Oh, I get it. You're right. Agreed. But those guys who love them and praise them, it's funny, but they, they disrespect them that way. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. Who The Jazz have lost the last two matchups against Golden State with Steph Curry going off on them. Uh-huh. I'd rather face the Lakers right now because you want to get them now if you're going to get them because they're going to get into a sink at some point 
in Put them in playoffs. the sink. <laughs> well done. And it's true the Warriors have won the last two and Steph went off, but Donovan wasn't there for the last one. Yeah, but they terrified and it was, me. And it was a close game, and it's easy to say if he'd been there, he would have made the difference. I don't know that he would have made the difference because Jordan Clarkson's taken all those shots. So you can't just say, oh, well, let's just add Mitchell and Clarkson will go nuts. It doesn't work that way. Nope, it doesn't. Clarkson me, wouldn't have been jacking it up. Give me L.A. Like crazy. And Mitchell would have had, they, he would have not canceled them out completely. But I don't think you just bring them. I'll bring back his 26. And so they win by 20. And then it's not the way it works. Certainly you want Mitchell there. There's no question he makes you a better team. But in a particular literal instance of one game, I don't know that you can say that. Does Jordan go off to the level that he did in the fourth quarter if Donovan Mitchell is out on the floor? Probably not. But that doesn't matter. Who cares? That was then. This is going forward here. And so we'll we'll worry about that. Uh, I, I think for me, the idea of Curry going off is not anything that's preposterous. But Curry going off four times? Boom! There it is. And you say mm. you don't know basketball. Ha! You nailed it right there. I never played the game. Never played any game, for that matter. I have no athletic talent. That's not true. <laughs> Threw in one lucky hook shot. I've scored two points in my whole life. That's in basketball. What about baseball? <laughs> I played in another basketball game with you, and I've seen you. I have seen you pull up for a 17-footer. And I did go Reggie Miller, keep the wrist cocked for 20 minutes. <laughs> you held it. <laughs> so there's something to be said. Can this man do this four straight times? Now, I'm not going to necessarily put it past him. But you're not going to pick it either. Yeah, because I think that, you know, that that's where the coaching comes in. And so in a sense, that loss to the Warriors last week or the week before, whenever it was, might be a good thing. Because you can really learn from that, and the coaching staff can get in there and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Because clearly they're going to have a more intense, complete game plan, no matter who it's against. Everybody does. The, first the opponent will have it for you, and yeah. you'll have it for the opponent. Right. And so you can learn from that. What did we do wrong? How did we get going here? What, what do we need to do when he puts up his threes? Where do we need to be out on the floor to make sure they don't get the offensive rebound? Blah, blah, blah. So there's all sorts of stuff that can happen as you scout these guys with far, far more intensity uh, in a series as opposed to uh, uh, one game along the road. David tweets at us, I don't care. Bring on the playoffs. I want all the smoke. I do think there's a lot of disrespect going the Jazz way. Like, it's not real. They're not really sure this first place is somewhat of a mirage because I guarantee you if the Lakers are in first place they're thinking yeah like we give a crap who we play we're gonna we're gonna beat you no matter what whatever team there's all other seven of you when it's said and done when we get to the through the play-in whoever those seven are line them up it just comes down to there's a big portion of the fan base that wants it so badly and they're so hurt that it, when it doesn't happen that they want to kind of anticipate it. You always Don't. call fan bases out for this. Don't. And it's, it's true here. It's dumb here. <laughs> it's the way of the world. It's not smart or dumb. It just is. In your mind, I'm sure. If I agreed with you, we'd both be wrong. wrong. That a kid. Haven't in, heard that in a while. I was thinking here, about that yesterday. 
<laughs> you hadn't used that one in a long time. I believe in this team. There's two things I believe in, and one of them is this team. So you pick them to beat the Lakers or the Warriors in the first round, regardless of who they play. I want to see Uh-oh. what happens tonight <laughs> Uh-oh. and what happens thir- Saturday. Or Friday, excuse me. Because the second round That's how I feel about the Lakers. It's not how I feel about the Warriors. Jazz and six over the Warriors. I want less than that, but I'll take it. I'm counting on Curry going off in one game, and then As you should and the, right and, and winning a game. Right, he'd probably go for 46 one night, and he might have a second big game, or somebody else could go off, or and, and to some degree, I think the Jazz could survive that. They could have there could be a game where Curry goes off and the Jazz still win, or Wiggins has one. I agree. Wiggins just had a 38 point game. I agree. You know, and they the Jazz pull it out 117, 112. Yeah, I agree on that. Know? So I would say Jazz over Warriors in six. But the Lakers, I want to see play. I just don't That's have what a I'm feel about. for how good bringing guys back from injury. Sometimes it goes well. Sometimes there's a bumpy week. Let's or do two. a Sunday morning show. <laughs> Sunday morning, people. We my, can do a late Friday night show too. We'll know Friday yeah, night. Well, Friday night at midnight. DJ and PK. My block on Sundays done at one. There's plenty of time. DJ and PK. When we come back, Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, will run all of this by him next. Stay with us. Bob to Rudy. Oh, he packed it with the right hand. Produce three All-Stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over, and now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, and Tim McComb joining us, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Used to be on Rick Majerus' staff at the U. Assistant coach Dave Rose at the Y, and now singing his teeth into the pro game. Tim, good morning. Good morning, guys. Until um, I'm gone. Until I'm gone, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, man, it's, I love this time of year, um, obviously from a basketball standpoint, um, but I just love, like yesterday, last night, the weather. Oh, so beautiful out. Really was. I was shirtless. Again. You were shirtless? Yeah. Doing yard work. Shirtless and sandy. We got some older ladies in the uh in the neighborhood. Well, I, I send me their address so I can send condolences. <laughs> PK's trying to give him PK's trying to give him a heart attack. Oh, well, I got yeah, a neighbor. Exactly. I got a neighbor property. A neighbor kid who likes to uh do yard work shirtless, so when I see him, I usually go out and do it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me where you live so I don't ever drive by. It's kind of a running gag. It's two neighbor boys. One's on a mission now, but he used to mow the lawn shirtless when he was a teenager, and then I would do it. And now he's he's overseas, and so his older brother was doing it yesterday, so I had to go out there and do it, too. <laughs> oh, that's too cool. <laughs> All right, I think the big question for all Jazz fans, before we worry about any matchups or anything, Donovan Mitchell, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be 100%? How long is it going to take for everyone to get back into get back into the rhythm, get back into the flow? What level of concern do you have? Well, there's certain, 
there's certainly concern when a guy misses as much as he's missed um, because, you know, basketball is so – the important parts of the, the key to, to being really good is to be in a great flow and a great rhythm. Um, but that being said, I think they played enough games together and, and, and kind of uh, that piece of it, I think, can, can figure itself out. I, I believe Donovan will be um, – you know, he's not going to go out there if he's not ready to go. And so I think that that's been the whole, the whole aim. And so if he plays, I think he's, he's good to go. And, um, really it's then it's kind of on, you know, as crazy as it sounds, kind of on Donovan to figure out how to, to fit in, I guess, and not, um, you know, not try to force things, but just play like he did this year. And I think he's obviously great enough to do that. But, yeah, there's a little concern there because, you know, it's unknown. And he hasn't missed a lot of games, you know, in in his career. He, this, is, this is a little bit new for him and certainly new for everybody around him. So it's just going to be a, a little bit of an experiment. But uh, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to, like, dip their toe in the water <laughs> unless something crazy happens. They're going to play a, a very good opponent. Uh, more than likely with championship uh, experience in the first round. Situation, if he's ready to go, I don't really think he misses a beat. Now, if there's issues, that's another story. But if he's ready to go, uh, I think the team has enough knowledge and experience together, and people know the roles, and this team understands he's our best, the most dynamic offensive weapon. So I Smith, I expect a smooth transition if he has his health. No, I, I totally, I actually would too. Um, that'd be my vote. I think you know, even a little bit, like a slight adjustment period in the playoffs is going to be difficult. You know, even if it's not all the way together, typically you can kind of, like I said, you can dip your toe in the water early on. But you know, they're not necessarily going to have that opportunity now. I've actually been. Almost like last night watching the the Celtics game, I tweeted out how dreadful the Celtics offense was in the first quarter. And that's really all it took. And they went on to score about 116 points. So uh, that being said, I keep talking about the Jazz having to play the Warriors or the Lakers, which would seem like, you know, odds would say that. But it's crazy. Anything can happen. Um, but but I think, if, yeah, if there's, just, uh, if there's just enough of um, – a synergy, you know, and and they don't really miss too much of a beat. I think they'll be fine. Uh, Donovan, like I said, I, the one thing I do know is he wouldn't be coming back if he's not ready to go. Um, and so, you know, they're not going to take a risk, even as as important as this season is and has been. You know, there's a lot of basketball left in Donovan Mitchell. So, if he comes back, he's going to be ready to go. And and like UPK, I think they'll I think they'll be fine adjusting. I think I'll pick the Jazz in six over the Warriors, figuring Curry will, or, or maybe somebody else too. I mean, Wiggins just had a big game, but the, the Warriors are good enough. They'll get him once or twice, but I just can't see Curry going off and doing that four times. The Jazz have too many things going for him. But when I try to figure out what will happen in the Lakers series, there are so many question marks. I feel like I've got to see him play. I don't have a good handle on how good they're going to be, how quickly, and I wonder if you have a better read than that. Well, I'd like to say I would, but 
you know, I made the mistake last year of, in my mind, just kind of writing, watching the, the Lakers the last few weeks, you know, that they finished the bubble prior to the playoffs. And I just did not think that they had enough. Um, you know, I kind of got sucked into believing that they were maybe uh, weren't quite as good. And I just, I'm not going to do that again. I really do believe when a team wins a championship and they've got two dominant players like they do, I think you have to start every conversation, you know, the next year about how they will, you know, be a, a real factor in defending the championship. And when you put LeBron James on the team, um, all bets are off. I think you have, like you said, DJ, I think I'm really curious to see how they play as well. Uh, because they haven't been – now they they did when they all got back together and they kind of started playing again. They looked a little more like the Lakers. Um, but there was a long period of time where the care factor was not great and the basketball that be, was being played was not great. Um, but it's crazy how that, that dude, LeBron, can flip a switch and then you add AD to the mix. Um, and, again, they become so potent – and and difficult to guard because again you've got to take into the fact that you're getting LeBron foul calls too you know when he's out there I mean and it is a thing I've watched Bojan all year get hammered and not get calls and then you watch a Laker game and literally if, if he gets breathed on there's a foul so that's a part of it and certainly in the playoffs where it's a it's a half court situation and and you know stops are really big. Uh, you got to factor all that stuff in there. So I think the Lakers are going to be really, really difficult to beat uh, by anybody because they are the champ. And once you, you know, once you're that champion, you, you've got a know-how that maybe other guys don't. And so you will really, you will have to beat them. They're, they're not going to beat themselves. So the Jazz went nuts on three pointers this year. In the playoffs, everything gets more magnified. What level of concern do you have? in the postseason when things are more difficult given the amount of three-pointers that they shoot? Because obviously they're going to have to make a good percentage of them in order to be successful. Well, I think what they've proven, uh, you know, minus a couple, I I guess I'll preface it by saying that a poorly timed um, off night from a lot of guys, and it really only takes a couple of those, and you're already behind the eight ball, you know, Momentum in a series is a thing. and So I think if the Jazz take the same types of shots, uh, which I think they will, probably what isn't going to come as easy, especially watching the play-in games last night, um, transition defense uh, will probably be a little bit better. The Jazz are certainly uh, very potent in transition from three and when they can really advance the ball and find guys. Um and, and the types of shots the Jazz shoot from three, the catch-and-shoot type, um, you know, they've proven all year. If, if they have their feet set, somebody dribble, penetrates, and finds it, the ball gets moved a couple of times and somebody's wide open, those shots are going to fall at a pretty high rate. Uh, what, dis- what concerns me, really, and, and it's been the games where teams have been able to switch, um, it really does mess up timing rhythm. Uh, the role becomes less of a factor, and guys are not quite as open. Uh, they're not getting the, their feet set, totally set, and have having looks. 
And the Jazz haven't shot the ball as well against teams like that. Um, and if they play the Lakers or the Warriors, out of the shoot, they're going to see that. That's the way they'll be guarded, uh, I would imagine, most of the playoffs. Um, so that being said, I think it's the type of threes they get. Uh, I, again, I think if they can really play downhill, play with force, and require two defenders to come to the ball, that's where the blender can go, and that's where the ball can move, and that's where those threes that they're very good at can happen. Uh, that and transition. If, can they continue to play early in the shot clock in the playoffs? I think that will be a, a piece of how they shoot the three. Are there any surprises waiting for us out there that you can foresee? I mean, kind of the definition of a surprise is you don't get to foresee it, but you have a keener basketball mind than us. So I wonder if there's something, you hear all these playoff discussions, you're like, you know, what people are missing is what? I've got a weird feeling, and this will probably put the nail in their coffin as well, but I've got a weird feeling about the Miami Heat this year in the playoffs for the same reason I talked about the Lakers. Um, there's something about playoff experience and magic and um, – and so they're a team that kind of jumps out at me. I'm curious to see how the Suns do in, in the playoffs. I think they've been a, a great story, uh, not as great as the Jazz, and kind of irritates me that uh, as good a job as Monty Williams did, I think Quinn Snyder probably deserved Coach of the Year. Um, but I, I believe that uh, – that those two teams will be probably who I'm going to key in on. I'm curious to see how the Suns deal with um, the Lakers or the Warriors, you know, depending on who they get and what that series looks like. And if the, if the, if the Suns can continue to play the way they played this year, uh, my guesses are that they probably will. I think that Chris Paul really unifies that team. Um, and Devin Booker is, is really difficult. And you talk about, again, half-court game, yeah, that really uh, speaks to how Phoenix wants to play. And they're very, very good at really kind of suffocating you on defense and then uh, picking you apart and making tough shots on offense. Um, but the Heat in the East, I just I look at that and I think, you know, they, they could make some noise there. Um, I'm not a big believer in Philly. Um, I just don't think that they're, they're, they have – the substance, I'm going to say, the substance it takes to win at a high level. Um, I'm not sold on Milwaukee. I think New Jersey in the East is going to be fascinating to watch and maybe just might have a crazy playoff run as well uh, because of the things I speak of. I mean, just you start talking about points per possession and you start talking about their ability to score so many different ways in the half court. Um, there's going to be a lot of really cool storylines, but I think that those are the ones that, and then obviously the most important one, uh, the Utah Jazz. A first time ever having home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs, um, having the best record in the league, um, and um, you know, really having a, a, a roster that is so well built for the way they play um, and can, like you said, can those three-pointers continue to fall and be taken at a high rate, and and how will that all work out? So those are the main things I guess I'm looking at. I don't know that I've got a crystal ball to say what's going to happen, but um, I think those are the, the storylines. See, I told you, DJ. 
What, that I didn't have a crystal ball? No. Everything you said, with the exception of calling Brooklyn, New Jersey, I agreed with. Oh, did I say New Jersey? You did. Yeah. And, and, and I think Old timer. And I think the New Orleans Jazz have an excellent chance. <laughs> <laughs> but the Minneapolis Lakers, keep your eye on them. Because when they play the Philadelphia Warriors. Hey, when you guys, well, I did see today, I saw a clip today where a commentator called Taco Fall, Taco Bell. <laughs> during a game he's like he tips it into Taco Bell and then the guy's dribbling it up he said did I just say Taco Bell I'm so I would f- imagine they'll use that in an ad but sorry my just I, I stopped kind of following the Nets when Van Horn left 97 <laughs> and they were New Jersey then. yes they were <laughs> All right. Well, as always, we appreciate it, Tim, and we will hear you Sunday. I expect Sunday night, but we'll have to see. Maybe Sunday afternoon, but probably Sunday night because I think the Lakers will take down the Warriors. And then they'll get plugged into Sunday afternoon. And then I hope, you know. We will never know. We'll never know what he hopes. (laughs) Don't know. <laughs> Vaporized technology's awesome until it isn't. I can't wait till next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you confuse Brooklyn and Jersey, and that'll happen to you, right? Yak, what golfer would you like to give away right now? Because it is time for a you win a golf PGA Championship giveaway. I'll give you your pick: Patrick Reed or Webb Simpson. Giveaway Webb Simpson. Okay, Webb it is. Be calling number 12 right now. Webb Simpson will be your assigned golfer. We're pairing 25 callers with the top 25 players in the world. 26th gets the field. If your assigned golfer wins, you'll win the same brand of putter that that player has in their bag. Be calling number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. It's brought to you by UNA Golf. Serving Utah golfers since 1971. Join Hans and Scotty Friday at the warehouse from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Yeah, give me a big old boom. Boom! Boom! Question of the day. Are we all Warrior fans or are we all Laker fans? Who are you pulling for in the game tonight? Winner gets the seventh seed, goes to the other side of the bracket from the Jazz. Jason says, unless we expect the Lakers to lose in both games, meaning again Friday night when the loser of the 7-8 game plays the winner of the 9-10 game, which I doubt that'll happen, well, then I want the Lakers on the other side of the bracket taking on the Suns. Why fearest thou the Lakers? Because they're the defending champs, and LeBron wins a lot. But not always. True. In fact, uh, has there been anybody outside of maybe Jerry West and Elgin Baylor who's lost more in the finals? With the Lakers losing to all those Celtics teams back in the sixties, that's what it. I'm they lost like six times in eight years, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, LeBron, he's lost a whole bunch in the finals, hasn't he? Uh, once in Cleveland, then twice in Miami, and then back to Cleveland for what three more losses, I guess. What a loser. <laughs> Six losses in the finals. Right. Four wins. I was just saying, MJ, Magic, the greatest. Magic lost lost four. Lost four finals. Yeah, the Celtics with like 17 Hall of Famers, not the Dallas Mavericks. He only lost to the Celtics once. Right. That's what I'm saying. Lost to the Sixers twice. 
With, no, lost the Sixers once too. With multiple Hall of Famers, Pistons and Bulls. He ain't lose. Well, the Pistons. They were hurt. He didn't lose to them. He contributed as much as I did. He had a one. They were going to three peat. Oh, there ain't no question about that, man. You know, you doubt magic at your own peril. That's my homage to Jake Scott. He thinks I'm a huge magic guy. It's because you are. I'm even bigger than he thinks. Right? Yeah. Why wouldn't I be? He's the greatest of all time. Well, yeah. I mean, Jake's wrong, but no big deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, let's give LeBron another playoff loss. And, and it amazes me so much lack of faith in our team. This is our team. Our city. Our guys. It's just the beginning. That it could be. If you're an NBA player and you're looking where to go and where to have a chance to win, I mean, you look at Donovan and Rudy and think, well, they got five good years in front. Hello, Dwayne. Should I come here? (laughs) 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 Think about it, man. Dwayne sitting on the TNT set, just giving giving him clues, giving him a little touch the nose, <laughs> a little wipe of the brow. Like oh, he had a sec. thing on Instagram. He posted like the best record. This guy's committed. He's yeah. one of us. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> uh, hey, we got Ingles on Thursdays. Let's get Dwayne Wade every Friday. Good thinking. <laughs> I'll I'll reach out and see what I can. D? Pull together. What are you doing, man? You don't even have to get up early if he's back east. True story. Yeah. <laughs> you can come on right, right at 7.30 in the morning. Dwayne Wade. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's 9.30 his time. Have a little orange juice, a little bran muffin to get the day going. <laughs> he's probably worked out by then. Probably has. Well, he lives in L.A. That's where his home is. He's a citizen of the world. It's true. He's doing but he Wade. does. Have, no. But he's in Atlanta. I don't care where he is. He's doing His heart is in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, Good point. He'll well, wherever you want. Maybe, maybe in Deer Valley, but I get your point. On playoff games, his heart, once they start having floor seats, I'm be looking the camera at him and, and uh, what's it, uh, Gabriella? Is that her name? Gabrielle Union. Yeah. What a union. Dwayne Wade and the Jazz. Speaking of union, I grew up by Union, New Jersey, man. Everything is coming together for this Random ball club. word association. Yeah, can you just keep going here? Like <laughs> I can until 10, and they'll tell me i got to leave. Then <laughs> 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 I come back they tomorrow. Were, we, we have the TV on in here. I, don't, I guess TNT basketball last from, night. From it's still on. Yeah, yeah, TNT. Usually it's on ESPN. <laughs> and Stephen A. Smith was on. The, the sound is down, and he is just worked up about something. And then they put the graphic up there so you know what they're talking about. I said... How long are they going to beat this into the ground, PK, without missing a beat? Till 10 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> it's a job, man. <laughs> that was awesome. It was quick. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> so, this is going to be a grand time. Have faith in the ball club, man. Why wouldn't you? I find it interesting that, man, we took all sorts of crap. We didn't take it, but we had all sorts of emotion when Shaq 
basically dismissed Donovan to his face after he had a great game. It didn't seem like it was the time to do it, but Shaq did it. But aren't we doing the same thing? I don't want the Lakers. Oh, my gosh, the Jazz against the Lakers. We're going to lose. Aren't we dismissing Donovan right then and there? All right. Aren't we doing the same exact thing, just in a different way? Yes. Yeah. How about that? You, 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 and you are doing what Shaq did to Donovan but on not that as, night. But not as aggressively and as poorly timed. Irregardless. You're right. <laughs> I agree with you. And that was but the net result it. is the same. Yeah. I don't believe in you. That's the essence of what Shaq did. The way okay, he did it in the but, format was not appropriate. Fine. Right. Right. You put on a headset after a big game, you didn't expect it. But I think what Shaq was trying to avoid, and he doesn't get any credit for this, is he'd said it when Donovan couldn't hear it, and he didn't want to be talking behind his back. So I, I give him credit and, for that, and yeah. I, and I give, give Shaq credit for Stand that. Stand up but it was and still uh, rough. face the music. Donovan is like, the PR guy says, come on over here and talk to TNT. I got that. Whap! But I think the but thing is... But the essence is, of the message is, the, we don't believe in you. But the beautiful thing about the playoffs this year is, nobody has a 50%, when you look at the odds, nobody has a 50% chance of winning, and usually there is a heavy favorite. Nobody believes in anybody right now. Oh, no, I disagree. Oh, I totally agree. You, you, well, go you on just to said it. Of course you totally agree. And right, I'm not backing down. And you, <laughs> you always totally, say don't back you down. You totally agree with yourself. No, of course I do. I should. Wow. And that's your point. <laughs> but when you make a point and I back down, you get on me. So you can't get on me when I don't back down. You're yelling me coming and going. No, but you don't say I totally agree. You don't agree with yourself. You can elaborate, but you don't agree with yourself, you dumb bleep. I do. <laughs> elaborate and I do agree with me. I totally agree. What I just said. There are questions about everybody. And I have them right now about you. <laughs> That's not surprising. You haven't met me every day for 20 years. Why should today be any different? But today is the zenith. <laughs> Ooh, axiom yesterday, zenith today. I can't wait for the word of the day tomorrow. Yuck. Call Scotty, and then Scotty will call sales, and they'll get it sponsored. The word of the day. Okay, we'll I think I'm brilliant, and I agree with that. <laughs> now back to me. <laughs> there are questions about everybody. Nobody's locked in on the Lakers as the champs. Nobody's locked in on the Nets as the champs. Everybody's question right now, and it's unusual, and it's the beauty of this playoff. Usually, where somebody we look at them and we think, mm, "You're the guy." That's what we did with the Warriors for years. That's what we okay, did with the Heat for the year. But some teams have fewer questions, and a lot of our fans have a lot more questions about the Jazz than they do about the Lakers. So you're doing exactly what Shaq did. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The Zone coming up next. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio. It's time to draft for the PGA Championship. Pressure's on. Next, stay with us. This is a Golf PGA Championship preview with Bob Casper from Real Golf Radio. It's brought to you by Mountainland Supply, Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried & Jensen, and Black Desert Resort. That sounds cool. Time to welcome in Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio. Every Saturday morning, Bob Casper, Brian Taylor, and, of course, they will get you all geared up for the third round of the PGA Championship this week. Bob, good morning. Hey, guys. How you doing? We are doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. It's another major. Yes, it is. This one, though, a little different. Yes, it is. The PGA, of course, 
They'd been to before, but a different time of year. And Brian was telling us about the wind and the weather are all going to be different. How differently is this course going to play? And uh, what do you need to be able to play this course? What's the skill set that fits this course? Well, it's, uh, I think it's you know somebody that's uh, medium to, to longer length off the tee. Um, then I think you're going to need somebody that's going to be able to control their irons into the greens, um, flight their shots um, on the correct trajectories, uh, not only off into the greens but off tees, um, and then um, somebody that's that's going to have have to have a, a good short game because there's a lot of runoff areas and that kind of thing around the greens. So um, it's it's somebody that's going to have to have a well uh, a really good all around game. Um, and I think you really need to focus on um, on guys that can control their golf ball because there's this golf course plays a little over 7,800 yards. Um, they're going to have to deal. They're going to have factors with the wind. Um, uh, you know, it's going to be double digit wind probably all week long. It's going to go from the west the early part of the week on Thursday and Friday, and then switch to the east on Saturday and Sunday. Um, at least that's what they're calling for. So um, they're going to have to adapt a little bit, but uh, the wind is definitely going to be a factor with the length of the golf course. So I always found it funny. The PGA was the last of the four played until now, and it was viewed as like it was the lowest of the floor. But why? I didn't understand why that would be, because if Tiger, and he's not going to get it now, but when he was going, if he would have won five more PGAs, so what? It would have counted towards his total. So I never understood why it was the fourth. I get it's not the Masters or the U.S., but it's for some reason I, I don't understand why it was knocked down as much as it was when it counted just the same. How much do you think now moving up in the rotation will give it more oomph? Well, you know, the interesting thing, PK, about what, what, um, what you're, you were talking about is that, you know, the Masters is the Masters. It's played on the golf, same golf course every year. Um, the U.S. Open is our national championship. Uh, the Open Championship or the British Open is the world's championship. And then you've got the PGA Championship. Um, and so, you know, naturally it's going to be a little bit um, not – it's going to be a little, little less um, prestigious. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you for that word. <laughs> a little less prestigious because of those because of those three in front of it. By moving it forward, um, I I don't know that it does anything different with it um, as far as the prestige is concerned. Um, they moved the uh, the players championship to um, March, which is where it was for a long time. Then, of course, you've got Augusta, and now you've got the PGA. And the only reason it was moved to, to May for the PGA was because of the, uh, the Olympics every four years. So they just moved it forward a little bit more. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's a, listen, any of those guys would love to win a major and would love to win a PGA championship. Um, I mean, as far as the sport, the prestige of it, I think it's in the view of the public um, and less so with the view of the players. All right, Bob, it's time for a draft, and we want to ask you about some players, but we can kind of talk about them as we draft them here. You are the guest, so you traditionally get the first pick, and I usually get the second, and PK gets third, and I know who I want, so don't take him. Okay. 
Who you taking? Do you want me to start? Yeah, this is it. Jump in. Who you got? And then explain okay. why he's the guy and why he ought to be. What are they? In the Indy 500, they call him the pole sitter. That's who you're taking. <laughs> uh, I'm going the, for the career grand slam. I'm picking Jordan Speed this I, week. I hate you with the passion of a thousand sons. <laughs> that was my pick. <laughs> of course it was. See, I knew that. <laughs> No, um, Jordan Spieth, you know, he won the, he won in San Antonio before the Masters, um, finished third at the Masters. He, he took a little bit of time off. He comes back and he plays well last week in Dallas, another top 10. Uh, I think he was tied for seventh, something like that. And, you know, and here, here we are back in a major championship. This is one that he needs to win to get the career grand slam. And I think, with him uh, firing on all cylinders as far as his game is concerned, that, you know, he's kind of back, so to speak. I think he's going to have a pretty good chance this week. Explain how big of a deal that career Grand Slam is. Well, there's only, what, five players that have ever, that have done it. You've got Gene Saracen. You've got uh, Gary Player, Jack Nicklaus. Uh, uh, Woods. Um, yeah, Tiger. And, uh, um, and I think it's... Uh, Byron Nelson, or is it Hogan? I think it's Hogan. So um, it's there's only five guys that have ever done it, and that's the that's winning all the major championships in the pro game. And so um, it's a big deal. It's uh, it's a huge benchmark. Um, it, you know, Rory's been sitting on the Masters now, only having to win the Masters now for like seven or eight years. Um, Phil's been sitting on the U.S. Open needing to win the U.S. Open, um, and Jordan Spieth, he's the youngest of them all, and he needs to win the PGA Championship now. So I think he and Rory are the best, or the uh, the guys that have the best chance to be able to do it. Uh, you're right, it is Hogan. Uh, Byron Nelson didn't, yes. w- didn't win the British Open. Yeah, so. that's it. All right. Well, if you're taking Spieth, there's a group of uh, – I thought he was my first pick, and then there's a group of four, and there's one guy I don't uh-huh. want. So hopefully one of you will take him because I think uh, – uh, I don't want to have to. Um, I suppose I ought to pick Rory, but I just don't have a good feeling. But I'd hate it if he wins after I passed on him. <laughs> I'm dying here. I'm going to take Rom. I'm going to pass on Rory. I'll probably regret John doing that. John Rom. Yep. Good. That's a great pick. All right. That's, That's who I was going to take, yeah. Well, you should okay. scream, I hate so you with the passion taken, of a thousand we've sons. Each, we've each taken each other's pick now. <laughs> yeah. Who you got? I left so. your Rory, though, if you want him. There he is. You know, and I was ticked at Rory in the Masters. And just uh, because, as, as Bob was talking about, what he needed, and we know that, you know, he had it, and a few years back he sucked on Sunday, and... Then he came back and what he won? Did he win the U.S. that year? Uh, and he'd been in a slump, and I don't know. He'd married, and he's got a kid now, and you know, life yeah. t- life takes over, and I get that. Uh, he just won in his last start. I, I know, I know. So uh, that's my point. I got mad at him, thinking uh, I'm done with him because I'm I'm waiting, waiting, waiting because he's given us so much, mm-hmm. but I thought he'd give more, and then he sucked in the Masters, and then he turns around and he wins a couple of weeks ago. So now I don't know. I'm, I, right now, I am just a ball of confusion. <laughs> well, pick somebody out of your ball of confusion. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I had my pick there. Um, do I just go with the normal, usual guys? But one guy, I have a feeling. So I, I've decided I want to go. I've got two guys who would be <laughs> chalk. 
you know, kind of top 10, top five guys that we should be picking. And I got one guy who's a longer shot. Okay. And I want to take him in the third round. So I'm hoping you guys don't screw me up in the second round. But PK is going to take one of the chalk guys here, I think. I don't think you're going to reach. I know you're going to reach for it because you told us yesterday. And I'm so confident in him. I'm going to take him right now. Are you really? Yeah. That's awesome because then my guy will fall to me. Go ahead. Take him. I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. Oh. That's a good pick. Killing me. And he was one of the guys I would hope would fall to me in the second round. It would be all about JT in the second round. Oh, that's funny. I couldn't help myself. Oh, that's funny. All right, Bob, back to you. We know why he took JT, because JT's an excellent golfer. Yes, he is a good player, and he's won a PGA championship. So, yeah, okay, so it's my pick. Yep. And I think there's two obvious guys that you're picking between. There are two, and there I, are two obvious I kind of don't want one, but I definitely don't want the other one. Okay. So um, take the one I definitely don't want, and I'll take the one I kind of don't want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so one, one hits the ball a little bit lower, has, has, a, has, has a little bit better control of his ball, ball flight, and the other one, I think, uh, is the one I'm going to take. But um, I, I'll... I'll go with the hot hand in Rory McIlroy. Dang it. <laughs> who are you deciding? That's who I wanted. Now, who are you deciding? Who is your other guy? Uh, DJ. I knew it. And I don't want DJ. I, there's a little bit, and I'm going to take him. But the, 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 the problem I have is I'm a little worried that he's like the, uh, the dog that caught the rabbit, and he got the Masters, and that's such an accomplishment and, like, does it take an edge off? And when you're playing four rounds of golf and one stroke is everything at the end on yeah. Sunday, that little edge. I mean, Not just on Sunday, last Tuesday, Corner Canyon girls lost the 6A championship by one stroke. See? Wow. Yeah. All right, I'm taking DJ, though. He's too good and too okay. talented and too dangerous to pass. I've got my reservations about whether he's got the edge or not. Maybe the Masters gave him the hunger back. You know, he won it, but then he didn't win it. It was real disappointing. So I hope he's got a little edge coming to this, but I'm worried about that. Okay, PK. But they did get Lone Peak in a three-hole playoff to finish second. So that's good. And tonight's the yeah. banquet, and we're going to celebrate. Rock stars. Yeah. yeah. I may have a headache tomorrow if you get my drift. <laughs> All right, where are you going here? <laughs> Bob, did we just take the five best picks? Was this a clear group of five at the top? Um, yeah, it's a pretty strong group. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No doubt. It's a, it, there's a break. I mean, normally Kepka would be in the group, but he's not in the yeah. group. He's not healthy. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with a guy that I've had my eye on for a while. Can't lie. Okay. Patrick Cantlay. Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, okay. I took him... Uh, I can't remember which Masters because we played two of them so quickly, but I took them for one of them, and Bob made fun of me. I had him the last one. You had him the last one, and I had him in the one before yeah. that. And yeah. then I got my third pick already lined up. Yeah, you do. All right. You've got, you've I've got, got my pick. Numbers? I've got my third-round pick lined up too, Bob. Don't mess it up. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will just kind of looking. You know what? I'm going to um, – I'm going to take a long shot. Adam Long. No. Oh, well, it's a long shot. <laughs> See what I've done there? That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to take the guy, I'm going to take the long shot from the Masters that finished second Will Zalatoris. Ooh, nice. 
Kind of came out of nowhere. See if he can yep. stay hot. Okay, I'm taking Xander Shoffley. He's breaking through. I figured, you know, I could have got you three for three because I was thinking that one. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I could have taken PKs because he told me who it was, but that'd be a real snakish thing to do. Yeah, so. But I think this guy pulls up right alongside your guy. I think they're both they're both good. They both need to win a major for the first time. PGA, a lot of guys break through at the PGA. Six of the last ten yeah. won their first major at the right. PGA, including Colin Morikawa last year. You going to do a mm-hmm. PK? You wavering from yesterday? or No, I'm going Zach Johnson. No, I'm not. <laughs> Victor Hovland. Yep. Victor Hovland. That's yeah. a good pick. I got a feeling about him. All right, now what happens is, uh, you know, we alternate appearances with you and uh, Brian. So when he comes on, then he criticizes everybody's picks or pumps them up. <laughs> but mostly he takes shots at them. Well, the only criticism he could make on mine would be Will, will, be, uh, will Zalatoris. So. Yeah, you got to reach a little bit in the third round. Yeah. All right, there it is. There are the picks. And so obviously you with the first pick think Jordan Spieth is the guy to beat. You know what I think? I think he is. Uh, I think he's due. I think he's due for another major, with the way he's been playing. And I think he's gonna. I think this would be a good shot for him to get the career grand slam. So. All right, there it is. All right, we will watch and see how it goes, and we will uh, we will talk to you again uh, on Friday after things have gotten rolling. We'll see how our guys are doing out of the gate. Sounds good. All right, thanks, Bob. Hey guys. All right, Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, Bob and Brian. Saturday mornings on the Zone Sports Network, Real Golf Radio. Tune in. Uh, When we come back, everything you missed in this show will get you up to speed. A couple of, quite frankly, weak playoff games yesterday, play-in games. And a couple of play-in games today, including the one everybody's looking forward to. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, stay with us. Bob to Rudy. Oh, he packed it with a right hand. Produce three all-stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over, and now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Turnbull sets. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss! History! Spencer Turnbull has become the sixth Tiger pitcher to throw the eighth no-hitter in franchise history. His teammates burst out of the dugout and mob him at the mound. How about it? Brilliant all-night-long great defense behind him, especially Candelario in the seventh and Spencer Turnbull has thrown a no-hitter here in Seattle. Seattle no-hit for the second time in 13 days. Happened to the 2015 Dodgers, so. Of course, it hadn't happened in almost 100 years before that. No-hitters are piling up. PK, you want to set an over-under on how many no-nos we're going to see this year? 27. Come on. <laughs> That would obliterate the all-time record. Well, everything is obliterating the all-time record. You know, we've just, uh, we're in the middle of May now, obviously, but in April, there were 1,092 strikeouts more than hits. That's the largest gap in any month in Major League history. The strikeout record has been set 
for the last 14 consecutive seasons. They're going to do something at some point, aren't they? They're going to lower the mound. They're going to move it back. Guys are throwing so hard. And, and I get the complaints. It's like, oh, it's all home runs or it's strikeouts. Well, when it, there are this many guys throwing over 90, and, and you don't get to see a guy twice, so he doesn't really need a third pitch. He might not need a second pitch. But he definitely doesn't need a third pitch. Of course you're going to swing for the home run. Your odds of putting together three hits, good luck with that. Well, and then the shifts, too. Throwing the shifts, you're right. They're yeah. tracking every ball where every ball is hit. They know. They know you can't pull the ball. Or or the, or the or other way. You can't, can't go the other way. Either yeah, way, yeah. They know what you can't do, whatever it yeah. is. Today, the average philo- the average velo on a four-seam fastball is 94. Right? 94. <laughs> That's average. 94. Ten years ago, just ten years ago, it was 89. Wow. So Bigger, stronger guys throwing harder. Yeah. So as the the reality is, even if they played it straight up mm-hmm. defensively, it's never been harder to hit than it is right now. So yeah, we can it, say, oh, put, they're just swinging for the fences, two well, strikes, it doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but even beside that, it's still as hard or harder than it's ever been. To hit mm-hmm. the ball. Because now, you it's always been a split second, but now it's even less than a split second. Right. And if there's any <laughs> movement on a 94-mile-an-hour uh, pitch, good luck. And if 94 is average, that tells you how many guys are coming out and hitting 96 or 97. Right. Because there's some dude out there at 92. And 92 used to be throwing really hard. And now it's below average. Yes. So there's a lot of things in... Kirchin's got a big story. His strikeout is ruining baseball. Well, it's certainly not uh, pleasing unless you're on, you're you're rooting for that team defensively. Uh, but I don't know that what you can do unless you literally make major change. Move the mound back. That's major change. It is, but it seems <laughs> to me like that's where this is going. Okay, and I don't know Instead what the math that, is on sixty-two miles an hour. They can figure it out. What gets it back so that guys? Feet, are, yeah. yeah how far do we have to move it back so that the average fastball is, or the is the average velo comes down is is in the high eighties? Okay. Instead of that, though, how about we move the plate back? <laughs> no, you're not messing with the geometry of the game. <laughs> Ninety degree angles are where it's at. <laughs> this way, you don't touch the mound. Nope, we're moving the mound back. Doesn't it? Doesn't seem easier to move the. Nope, it seems easier to move the mound back. Oh, you got to build a whole new mound, or or to do like in the youth tournaments, just have those portable ones. Having grown up watching baseball <laughs> in a multi-purpose stadium, which we've gotten away from now, but they used to rebuild the mound every homestand in the fall because they had to get it out of there for football. I understand. They're stacking dirt. It's not brain surgery. <laughs> they're piling dirt up, and then they're packing it down. Oh, we got to rebuild the mound. Yeah, you're going to need a wheelbarrow, and you're going to need a couple shovels. See, the, I don't think the strikeout is new. It's just the proliferation of it. Used to be when, when our kid Dave Kingman, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and and Rob Deere and some other guys were Pete Incavilia. I love saying Pete Incavilia. It's a cool Incavilia, right? Those guys had low BAs, but... Big home run totals, which in those days, if you hit 30, was a big home run total, right? So it's been there, 
But it seems like everybody is in that situation. But I wonder, what can you do? Move the mound back. That that is, is that it? Now that's the highest, most dramatic thing I think you can do. And maybe maybe they try it at the lower level uh, for two or three years and and see where you're at. Because in the 1980s, on average, there were nine strikeouts a game. And now it's double. It's double. Yeah. So and you get 27 of them. So two thirds of your outs are coming on strikeouts. Don't start messing around with math on live radio. What was that ballpark? Angel star Mike Trout will be out six to eight weeks with a grade two calf strain. He said he heard something pop. He thought it was his Achilles. That would have finished him for the year and into next season. Good news, calf strain. Six to eight weeks. This is very AD-ish. Oh, yeah, but I can tell you right now, calf strain, Kyle Whittingham's out six to ten minutes. <laughs> with those calves, they repair themselves? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Going right back and doing calf yeah. It's just they're like organically, osmosis. It just, you know, the body, and yeah. his body just recovers a lot quicker down there. Angels still have the uh, worst pitching staff in the major leagues. Their ERA is over five. I think it's like 5.2, 5.3, somewhere in there. And now they miss the big bat. Chuck Finley's not walking through that door. It's the Shohei Otani show now. Ooh, I can say that. Good luck, Chuck Finley. Nice. Now he dated that. Uh, Tony Cretain, who died just, over the weekend, just passed away. Fifty-nine. Yeah. In fact, uh, famous for rolling around in cars and rock videos. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, okay, with White Snake, yeah. yeah. But I think they had they had some off the field issue too. Here I go again. All right, Frank Tanana is not walking through that door. <laughs> Frank Tanana. I've not thought of Frank Tanana in a long time. Well, I lived down there, man. I covered Angels. Yeah, you're the I man. A, I was backup baseball, and so you'd be sitting around. Hey, I need you to go to. Anaheim Friday or Dodger Stadium tomorrow or something. That happened quite a bit. Kevin Pillar, multiple nasal fractures after getting hit in the face by a fastball. He took the lineup card out to home plate. He's on the 10-day injured list. He's got to recover from that. You think you'd ever mentally recover from that, PK? You have to. Yeah, I get it. I'm saying you. If, if that had happened to you in high school baseball, what would have happened? Did you ever get hit in the head? Can't believe I did. I'm trying to think. I told you I made my 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 little league debut at age ten because we had a rain out, a lot of rain back east, and so they had an innings limit, and so I was ten and I was playing on a team with twelve year olds, and they put me into pitch. Oh, and, and my father, man, he came home from work every day. We'd go in the backyard and we'd bend over. He'd get in a catching spot and I'd pitch, pitch, pitch. Came that Saturday, uh, I walked the bases loaded. Coach comes out and got to throw a strike soon. Just relax. First out I recorded. Bases loaded. Pop up. Second and twelve second and short on my two twelve year olds, two best guys on the team. You got him field fly rule? I, I I think we must have, but they both looked at you. I don't remember. But anyway, the the, the kids are standing on second base. He's got the helmet on. The ball comes right down. He's on second base. Fly pop, pop up in the infield. Ball comes down, hits him right in the top of the head. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I recorded. My he wasn't first looking out. up. He wasn't. He just... No, no. Was he on the bag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the bag. He must have had the infield fly rule then, because he would have been safe on the bag. 
Right, the ball hits him. He's not out if he's on the bag. Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe they could have got got the ball and stepped, stepped on the on bag. bag I, don't, yeah. I don't remember, but it hit him right on top of the head. <laughs> on the after helmet. that, after that, everything just black out. The <laughs> <laughs> ball just hit him on the head, yeah. dude. And he, he was standing on the base. Bases were loaded. So it was the cleanup hitter, and he was twelve, and I was ten. I was petrified, man. Hit him right yeah. on top of the head. It was so cool. Well, Jerry just called in and had an interesting proposal for baseball to change. Things. What's he got? He wants to see two different plates. So what he, what he means is you have a batting plate where you said you, you push that back, so you, you're not moving the mound back, you're moving the plate back, but then the plate that you would score on stays where it's at to keep the angles. Jerry, never call me again at this number. Okay, what happens if you hit the proverbial Baltimore chopper off the first plate? That's what I'm trying to figure and out. And what happens well. to, how's the catcher supposed to protect against stealing home? Well, he would just move up. That makes it easier to steal Nobody home. steals home anymore. We steal home. What are you, Jackie it Robinson? Would actually, <laughs> it, it, it would incentivize stealing home Yeah, but it would be often. easier to steal yeah. home. No one does it now because the catcher's right there. But as soon not, as you're that's three not feet it. back. That's not it. They're coming. <laughs> Nobody steals any bases anyway. You get, you get Washington. Was it Herb? Herm Herb. Herb Herb. Herb Washington there and pinch run him. Charlie Finley's dead. Oh, really? Huh. <laughs> The NBA play-in tournament started with a horrific game. The Pacers annihilating the Hornets up 16 at the quarter, 24 at the half, 30 after three. What was the point other than, you know, sell some tickets and a little TV inventory for TNT? Pacers annihilate Charlotte, so they're out. Pacers are going to go to Washington because the Wizards lost to the Celtics because they couldn't stop Jason Tatum. He had 50 points. Celtics win 118-100. Now, Boston is seven. They're playing the Brooklyn Nets, or as Tim Lacombe likes to call them, the New Jersey Nets. And Indiana's going to Washington for the eighth seed and the right to play Philly and lose to them. Okay, got it. Right? And one and two are going to advance. The well, Sixers I watched and the Nets game, are screwing this up. I watched Turn On yesterday, and I didn't, I didn't know who's 10, who's, who's seven, who's eight. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a, yeah, I didn't realize ten isn't playing yet, but I didn't, I didn't know. Oh, so you had so, to so, put it together over the course of the game, like yeah. Oh, oh Indiana's in. Oh no, they're not. Why aren't they? I mean, I got the West memorized, but, but the, the East bottom is, of the East is like so far on my uh, radar. Yeah. Uh, the Western playing games: Spurs at Memphis at five thirty, Warriors and Lakers at eight on ESPN. Both games on ESPN. All I know is Hayward makes over thirty million a year. And he didn't play. And he's hurt, and they're 10th, and they're out. But, And they get Batum's money back next year, so they could invest in another big-time player. Or they could spend or, a lot of money for an average player. If Markel Fultz. <laughs> Theoretically, as the 10 seed, they could add a good piece. And in the East, that could get you to six. Yeah, but I don't trust Jordan. I know. I, I got that. You can add the wrong guy. But theoretically, they should be in the five, six, seven mix. Nah, we'll give him credit for ball. He looks like a player, Mm -hmm. and Hayward's good. He's okay. So if you can get someone else, thirty million. I know thirty million. Mitch Kupchak's their GM down there, and he's one. Yeah, and again, Jordan just hires his friends. Yeah, in in Carolina, And, and maybe they can do it. Maybe, and I wonder how much, but. Does every GM have unilateral approval? Uh, no, uh, no. What am I looking for? No, <laughs> especially not in Charlotte. So, especially not in Charlotte. You know who's calling the shots? The Jordan. Yeah. Cupcake might get to make some of the 
calls and some of the decisions. You know, the second round pick and the mid level <laughs> exception. Because Jordan but, had no idea. <laughs> but Jordan's not passing on a, just picking a $20 million player, which I think is, I think they're in the 20. I mean, there's other moves they'll make and you got to factor that in, but I think they're going to end up in the 20 to $25 million range. And that's funny be because here, you know, we make a big deal of the Dwayne Wade thing because you're always looking for acceptability, uh, especially by minorities out of this community. It's a big, big deal. Anytime BYU gets an African-American commitment, they just go nuts. Whether the kid can play or not, who cares? It's like, oh, and then and see, we're, we're, they like us. And then we, we overblow that, I think, but I, but I get it. Uh, and so we think Dwayne Wade is going to help attract talent. Maybe he does, and it's great if he does. But Jordan, the king of them all, is not attracting talent. Yes. <laughs> not attracting talent. Yeah. So and that's why I always thought it was somewhat insulting to the player and his group. And that's just going to go just because, oh, this guy says to. They're smarter than that. They're yes. going to research everything. Right. And look at what Durant just did. What did he do? He went to Brooklyn. And he and Kyrie go to Brooklyn, and then they leverage Harden and get him there. It would have been easy to go to the Knicks, but they do the research. Listen, Brooklyn may not be the greatest organization, but they're not the worst. Dolan, come on. One of the three or four worst organizations in the NBA. The Kings have gone through 15 coaches in 10 years. Bad organization. Now they've had multiple owners during that time. Dolan's done it all by himself. Charlotte just can't get out of their own way. You know, there's a but, handful uh, of them. Orlando's been there, down. There, Orlando's hope, been though. down and too Phoenix long. Phoenix was down. Uh, the Sarver wasn't exactly yep. uh, no, Jerry he Buss. Wasn't. He wasn't. But I'm saying they do, their, they do their homework, and maybe somehow Paul did his homework, and maybe he thought, I can provide the leadership, and they got two good young players. And, and he liked the coach. Yeah. And they got a little bit of money to spend. They can bring someone in. They can bring in a crowder. You know, here's a guy who's got a lot of playoff experience. Yeah. He's a, de- he's a decent player. And there's nowhere to go but up. I think that's the thing that he bet on there. I don't know if he knew they were getting to two. But he knew he can get them to the playoffs, and when they haven't been to the playoffs in a decade. Mm-hmm. All right, it is time. We had our PGA uh, draw the, the top pick. Spieth was Bob's top pick. And if you are into the PGA Championship and would like to win, now is the time. You in a golf PGA Championship Giveaway. Be caller number 12 right now and see what player you get. 25 callers paired with the top 25 players in the world. The 26th will be assigned the field. If your assigned golfer wins the tournament, then you win the same brand of putter that player has in their bag. Be caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. It's brought to you by UNA Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. Who are they playing for? Harris English. All right. Call now. 855-340-ZONE. Bob DeRudy, oh, he packed it with a right hand. Produce three All-Stars, check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over, and now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Well, I wish we'd heard that before we had Tim on. I came in after Tim was on. All right. I'll have to follow up with Tim on that and see if he... uh... Beat a gator in a wrestling match by sticking a gator in the eye. I heard that now. Sports report: This guy is in Florida. And- well, one time I was in the swamps of Jersey, Hackensack River. My machine, she was stuck. 
And a gator came up to me, looked me right in the eye, eye to eye. There's gators in Jersey? They have migrated north. Yeah, well, they go there after, uh, you know, when the weather gets better. Mm. They go up the Atlantic. And they get past the city and they turn left. Yeah, and I punched them right in the schnoz. Question of the day for one day on Wednesday. Aren't we all Warrior fans or are we Laker fans? Levi Grover says they're both garbage playing teams. Who cares? Nice. <laughs> Dismissive. Like it. Garbage, huh? Ten is coming. Neither. That's Tim Utes for life. He's not rooting for either one of them. Something's got to happen. Somebody's got to win, get to seven, and go play the Suns. It's kind of screwy, though, that the second-place team will know their opponent three days ahead of the first-place team. I don't think the NBA thought that out. Downside. Yeah. I don't think this is going anywhere. And and those two games last night couldn't have been less interesting and less compelling for me. But it's two NBA owners getting to sell tickets and luxury suites and all that. Right, and but it's they more get, TV. I don't think this is going away. They can end the season earlier or something and then have more time. Not a less than a 48-hour turnaround for the f- number one seed. They can do it, make them play on a Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and have all the games and then start the thing on Saturday. If it were Thursday to Sunday, would that work for you? Better, yeah. obviously. That's what they're getting in the East. But in the West, you're getting a Friday-Sunday turnaround. So the Jazz of all the teams are going to have the... The least prep time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a joke. I'd have to check that and make sure they've got the... Uh, if they got the one seed playing Sunday in the East, they might have them playing Saturday. It might be a Thursday-Saturday turnaround in the East. I. That's what I thought, but I thought it maybe could you be, knew, it could knew be something Saturday. that I didn't. I will uh, check quickly. Nope, Philly's the one. They're playing Sunday. So they did give them a Thursday, Sunday. They, they sent Brooklyn to Saturday. So most of the teams, three of the, the four games on yeah. Sunday, are one and two seasons. And plus, in the East, you don't have maybe, you have more time, but you're also getting a crappier opponent. Yeah, right. I really don't view seven and eight in the East as any threat. And I know Tim pumped up Miami at six. I just don't see it. And he said with playoff experience, maybe they can get it going. But their path is the Bucks, and if they win, then the Nets, and if they win, presumably the Sixers. Terrible path. After you pass the top three East teams, I just don't see how they can do anything. Basin says, I'm not rooting for either team. The Jazz shouldn't fear any team. Just destroy any team in their path like they're capable of. Besides, I just can't be a fan of Steph, Draymond, or LeBron. Not even for a day. Oh, Steph? Really? I know. I get why you don't like Draymond and LeBron. They have been cast as the villains, and they are the villains for many people, so I get that. But Steph is a villain? I wonder if it's political, because he's been out there. Okay, well, then you can't be a fan of anybody. I mean, lots of players have been political. Donovan has been political. Lots of players have taken a knee. Who hasn't? You could probably list them. And the bubble? A different form of political, though. Think he's more political on the scale, on the sliding scale? More political for a longer period of time? Curry? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's gone directly at Trump. I don't know that Mitchell has. Mitchell has gone at, at, at some stuff. Issues. Uh, people. Yeah. And obviously Kerr is right there with uh Sure. And I get Popovich why and, and I get why stuff. people don't I, like I don't know, I'm guessing. Yeah. But I mean I get that's the thing is I don't get Steph. 
I get why That's people why I'm guessing. don't like Kerr and Popovich. I love to watch the guy play. Phenomenal. And I don't really care what they do on their politics. Good for them. They're basketball players. Who anointed them? Anybody that I want to listen to. Not me. And that's well, all that no, matters. You don't really want to listen to anybody. Exactly. <laughs> but I want to see them play ball. Oh, yeah. That's that's why I'm a fan. I'm a fan to watch this guy play ball. The chomping on the, the mouthpiece grosses me out. Uh, that's, uh, that's not good. Nate says, uh, are, are we Laker fans? Are we Warrior fans? Nope. I'm only a Jazz fan. I care for the Lakers and Warriors as much as I hope for Mall Cop 3. Well, I think you have to be aware of who you're playing, though. And so I think as a Jazz fan, you're aware of who you're playing. That's like I'm a Ute fan, but I'm also aware of SC. You know, who's the quarterback and whatnot, that type of thing, right? All right, we won't know who the Jazz are playing tonight, but we will find out two teams they are not playing tonight. The Grizzly Spurs team will be eliminated. They'll be out. You are not the father. You are not the Jazz <laughs> opponent. Maury Povich in the NBA playoffs. Tomorrow with DJ and PK. And the Laker Warrior winner will be seven, and they will go play the Suns and go to the other side of the bracket. All right, we're done. Hans and Scotty next. Stay with us.